Two years ago, I, Suggestive Gaming, along with the best Let's Play channel on YouTube, the 2-Bit Players, went over the story of the entire Resident Evil franchise. Since then, we've seen the release of the Resident Evil 3 remake, main series installment Resident Evil Village, and an animated series called Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. Since many have been asking, and to get ready for the remake of Resident Evil 4 next year, we've decided to make an updated version of that video with these latest additions. Like the original video, we will only be covering events that are canon to the video game series, which means the Paul W.S. Anderson-directed film series is off the table, as well as Welcome to Raccoon City and the Netflix series. And given the breadth of the franchise, and the fact that certain games can play out differently depending on which character you pick, we'll have to leave some things out. So, feel free to fill in the blanks in the comments. We're also treating the remakes as canon, which you can feel free to complain about there as well. Now... Without further ado, this is what you need to know about Resident Evil. Our story begins on July 23, 1998, where a train owned by the pharmaceutical company Umbrella, called the Ecliptic Express, is suddenly attacked by a swarm of leeches, killing its passengers while a mysterious figure overwatches from a nearby cliff. Two hours later, the Raccoon City Police Department's Special Tactics and Rescue Service, or STARS, send in their Bravo team to investigate a series of cannibalistic murders in the nearby Arclay Mountains. However, on their way, their helicopter is forced to crash land in the forest. There, they find a military police transport truck overturned with its officers dead. The team then split up, and their field medic, Rebecca Chambers, comes across the Ecliptic Express, stopped in the middle of the forest. Rebecca enters the train, only to find it overrun by the former passengers, now reanimated zombies due to their exposure to the T-Virus. This virus was a creation of the Umbrella Corporations. Created by the progenitor virus, an ancient West African virus, the T-Virus' purpose was to mutate biological cells for the betterment of the human race, but eventually developed into a military product. After exploring the train, Rebecca eventually discovers Billy Cohen, a former Marine who was the prisoner the military police truck was transporting. The two begrudgingly form a partnership when they see the mysterious figure outside the train. Shortly thereafter, it begins to move once again. The two are able to stop the train before it speeds off of a cliff, and instead end up directing it towards an abandoned Umbrella research and training facility. There, they learn of the history of the progenitor virus and Umbrella's use of it by the corporation's founders, Oswell E. Spencer, Edward Ashford, and Dr. James Marcus. Marcus was responsible for the discovery of the virus, and while Ashford wanted to use its regenerative properties to help the handicapped, Spencer and Marcus saw its potential as a biological weapon and began creating the T-Virus. Meanwhile, Umbrella employees Albert Wesker and William Birkin observe the situation and they realize that the T-Virus has gotten out of control. Wesker decides to leave Umbrella to join their rival before their inevitable discovery and implosion. Birkin, however, decides to stay behind to continue his work on a more powerful G-Virus. Wesker then explains that he's planning on luring the Star's Alpha team, which Wesker has joined as a double agent, to the Spencer Mansion, where the T-Virus has already spread, to collect data on the infected. Birkin then decides to arm the training facility's self-destruction measures. After getting separated from Billy, Rebecca meets back up with Captain Enrico Marini from her team, and he informs her of Bravo Team's plan to meet up at a nearby mansion, but allows Rebecca to find Billy first. Just after, however, Rebecca is attacked by a giant bioorganic weapon, or B.O.W., created by the T-Virus known as a Tyrant. She is able to temporarily subdue it before meeting back up with Billy, who is able to help her defeat the creature. Shortly after, Billy and Rebecca finally meet the mysterious figure responsible for the outbreak on the train, who turns out to be none other than Dr. James Marcus. 
or so it would seem. He reveals that he was assassinated by Wesker and Birkin on the Order of Spencer ten years prior, but the queen of his experimental leeches entered his body and absorbed his DNA in order to regenerate him, obtaining his memories and taking his identity. He then splits into a mass of leeches and chases Rebecca and Billy through the facility. Meanwhile, Wesker makes his way to the training facility, encountering and defeating the tyrant on the way. Once there, he comes across Spencer's lead bodyguard, Sergei Vladimir. After an argument, Sergei sends one of his genetically engineered Ivan bodyguard tyrant units after Wesker, who is able to defeat it. Their battle is brought to a halt, however, as Birkin activates the self-destruct system. Wesker then escapes to meet with the Star's Alpha team to make their way to the mansion. Elsewhere, Billy and Rebecca are able to defeat the Queen Leech. Afterwards, the two find the Spencer Mansion, and Rebecca heads towards it to meet with Stars, while Billy leaves, being declared officially dead to escape his war crimes. Rebecca finds her way into the mansion, but is unable to find the rest of Bravo team. Eventually, fellow Bravo member Richard Aiken finds a sleeping Rebecca, and the two head off to find their captain, Enrico Marini. On their way, the two witness Sergei Vladimir with one of his Ivans, carrying a B.O.W. prototype away from the mansion. Later, the two are ambushed by a giant snake-based B.O.W. called Yon, which gives chase. It is able to corner them in the library, but Richard jumps in front of it to save Rebecca. She is able to shoot the monster to scare it away, but Richard is left incapacitated, infected with the creature's poison. Shortly after, Star's Alpha Team arrives to investigate the disappearance of Bravo Team. They find Bravo Team's downed helicopter, along with the corpse of one of the pilots, but finds all the other members missing. Shortly after, they are attacked by mutated dogs called Cerberuses, which kill team member Joseph Frost. Alpha Team's pilot Brad Vickers takes off, leaving the remaining four members, Chris Redfield, Jill Valentine, Barry Burton, and their captain Albert Wesker, to escape to the nearby mansion. Inside the mansion, the team split up to search the building. The Bravo Team members are found inside, but all of them are either dead or die from their injuries, including Richard, who sacrifices himself to save an Alpha Team member. Jill works with Barry while Chris meets up with Rebecca. They learn that the mansion is actually owned and operated as a base by the Umbrella Corporation. It was built for Oswell Spencer by George Trevor, whose family was abducted and experimented on to research the progenitor virus. The daughter, Lisa Trevor, is still alive, although mutated by the virus, and Stars is forced to avoid her as they progress. After destroying a giant plant and some giant sharks, Stars eventually finds Captain Enrico Marini, who believes there is a traitor among the ranks, before he is shot and killed by an unknown assailant who escapes afterwards. Stars finds the basement of the mansion to be a secret laboratory, and there they find the Epsilon virus, which had leaked and infected the mansion's inhabitants. Wesker is finally revealed to be a double agent working for Umbrella, who led Stars to the mansion to test the B.O.W.'s effectiveness on armed soldiers. He then intends to destroy the facility to cover up the various illegal activities. Unbeknownst to the others, he had also injected himself with a mutant T-virus strain in order to strengthen his body. It is then revealed that Barry was working for Wesker, under the threat of his family's murder. Wesker eventually admits to his true nature, and also reveals that he plans on double-crossing Umbrella by handing over their research to their rival. He then awakens the T-002 tyrant to attack Stars, but it instead attacks him first, impaling him. The lab's self-destruct system begins to count down, and the remaining Stars members, Jill, Chris, Rebecca, and Barry, make their way to a nearby helipad to call in Brad. He arrives just as the tyrant reappears. The Stars team is able to defeat the creature with a shot from a rocket, and they are able to escape as the mansion explodes in the distance. While the mansion exploded, Wesker was able to survive his attack due to the virus within his body, and secretly escape. 
Fighting Lisa Trevor on his way, Wesker traps her inside as he leaves, finally putting her out of her misery with the mansion's destruction. Two months later, in Raccoon City, eight patrons in Jay's bar witness a news report about increased violence in the city. Shortly after, an infected man walks in and bites one of the bar's staff, Will, killing him. The others escape, discovering the city to be overrun by infected zombies. They eventually reach the Raccoon Mall, where the police intend to detonate explosives to kill a massive group of zombies. Two of the police are killed, however, forcing the group to assemble the detonator themselves, using it to kill the zombies. They then leave as more police reinforcements arrive to secure the city. Elsewhere in the city, two firefighters investigate the boiler room of the nearby Apple Inn before it explodes, trapping them and the other survivors from the bar inside. After fighting a mutated civilian called the Suspended, they're able to escape into the city. Later, Cindy Lennox, the waitress of Jay's bar, approaches the Raccoon Zoo, noticing a note indicating an evacuation chopper's planned arrival. The survivors enter the zoo and are attacked by various infected animals, but are able to escape to a tram. However, as the tram is leaving, it is brought to a stop as the evacuation helicopter crashes, killing another group of survivors nearby. Elsewhere in Raccoon City, Jill Valentine awakens inside her apartment, where she has been investigating the Umbrella Corporation. Unaware of the ongoing outbreak, Jill receives a frantic call from Brad Vickers, who warns her to get out of the city immediately. Before she has a chance to react, however, a massive human-like B.O.W. crashes through her wall and attacks, forcing her to run through her apartment building while the B.O.W. gives chase, destroying everything in its wake. Jill eventually escapes the monster, emerging into the city streets to find it in a state of chaos. Brad finds her and tells her the monster has been searching for the remaining STARS members in the city, which now includes just them. They are soon swarmed by the infected and forced to run, but Brad is bitten. Knowing what comes next, he stays behind and forces Jill to go on without him. Jill continues to run to find safety, eventually finding a man in a parking garage who locks himself into the trailer of a semi-truck. Jill makes her way to the roof of the garage just as a helicopter flies above. She flags it down, and the pilot calls her to get in as he lands. As she approaches, however, the B.O.W. from her apartment destroys the helicopter. Jill enters a nearby car and drives it into the creature, plunging them both off of the roof and down to the streets below. This proves to be only a minor setback for the monster, who simply stands and walks towards Jill, even as the car explodes around him. As it reaches her, however, a man nearby shoots a missile at it, temporarily incapacitating the creature. The man rushes over to Jill, introduces himself as Carlos, and takes her underground to a subway station, where his fellow Umbrella Biohazard Countermeasure Service members have established a makeshift shelter. Despite Jill's hesitation to trust Umbrella operatives, she nonetheless follows Carlos to the shelter. When they reach the shelter, Jill is introduced to UBCS platoon leader Mikhail Victor, who recognizes her as a member of STARS and asks her to help in getting the subway car moving. She agrees to help the civilians in the shelter and heads back up to the surface to find some supplies and find the substation to get the power back up. On her way, she finds an injured UBCS member and she runs to help him, but suddenly another member enters and immediately shoots him in the head. The man claims the member he killed was infected, with Jill denouncing his coldness. The two quickly go their separate ways and Jill reaches the substation, where she is forced to avoid spider-like mutated creatures while turning on the power system. After she turns on the power, Jill calls Carlos, who tells her to go to the subway company's office to enable the traffic control system so the trains can move. 
On her way, however, she is again ambushed by the giant B.O.W., which she is able to escape once again to reach the traffic control office. She inputs the route into the system, then makes her way back to the subway station, encountering her nemesis once again on the way. Back at the subway, Jill regroups with Carlos as the man she encountered earlier who shot his own man, Nikolai, arrives. He expresses his frustration that Jill is there before walking off just as the B.O.W. begins to break in. Carlos closes the security gate while Jill slips out to distract the B.O.W. to buy them time. She lures the creature away from the train, eventually losing it in the sewers. After fighting through several fish-like B.O.W.s, Jill reaches Carlos on a radio who tells her they've been waiting for her to return to leave the station. As she reaches the surface, however, she is once again grabbed by her nemesis, now wielding a flamethrower. She is able to escape it again, but only temporarily, as she's forced to fight it on a rooftop nearby. After defeating it in battle, its flamethrower's fuel tank explodes, blasting Jill off the rooftop where she meets a rough landing. On her way back to the subway, she stops by an old friend, gunsmith Robert Kendo. She offers to take him to the subway, but he reluctantly declines, heading into a nearby building to deal with an unseen issue of his. Not long after, Jill is once again ambushed by the B.O.W., this time wielding a rocket launcher. It fires at her, which blasts her away from it. Carlos then calls and tells her he has a plan and to lead the B.O.W. back to the station, which she does. It trips a claymore set up by Carlos, and he shoots a nearby oil tanker, causing a giant explosion as he and Jill escape back into the subway as the security gates close. Carlos sends Jill into the subway car on her own while he stays behind, being sent by Mikhail to join another operative named Tyrell to look for a scientist whose vaccine research could stop the outbreak. During the train ride, Mikhail expresses his distrust towards Nikolai, but their conversation is cut short by an explosion. When they investigate, they find the B.O.W. chasing Jill has destroyed part of the train and climbed aboard. Jill runs, but finds that Nikolai, knowing the B.O.W. is after Jill alone, locks her in the train car to deal with it. The B.O.W. grabs Mikhail with its tentacle, but he sacrifices himself to detonate an explosive charge, blasting the train car off the tracks and knocking Jill unconscious. Meanwhile, Carlos and Tyrell reach the Raccoon City Police Department, where they witness an infected Brad Vickers attack and bite an RCPD officer. The pair then enter the station and find the STARS office to contact Dr. Nathaniel Bard, who is trapped in a nearby hospital. He asks for their help after revealing that Umbrella is killing the researchers to cover up the operation. Tyrell tries to track the doctor's location while Carlos receives word from Jill that the train derailed before their communications are cut off. He then rushes off to return to the subway to check on Jill. Meanwhile, Jill reaches the surface, watching the B.O.W., now aflame, jump into the nearby river and calls Carlos again, who informs him about the train crash and Nikolai's betrayal. However, the B.O.W. emerges from the water, now mutated even larger, and it attacks her, forcing another fight outside the city's clock tower. Jill is able to take it down with a grenade launcher, but as she walks past it, it grabs her. She is able to close a gate to separate the two, but it is able to stab her as she runs away, leaving a tendril in her arm and infecting her, causing her to convulse. Nikolai then walks up to the gate and smiles as she passes out. 
Meanwhile, Claire Redfield is searching for her brother. Her and rookie RCPD officer Leon S. Kennedy separately stop at the same gas station, which they find to be under attack by zombies. The pair meet and take a nearby sheriff deputy cruiser to the city. There, they overhear an announcement encouraging survivors to head to the police station for shelter. They are forced to continue to the station on foot before they are separated by an explosion and carry on independently. Claire and Leon do reunite, but are separated by a locked fence. A nearby rescue helicopter is shot down and explodes, ending their reunion. Another tyrant, the T-103, appears and begins to stalk our heroes. Claire finds an underground tunnel and traverses through it, coming across a young girl named Sherry Birkin. However, shortly after, she is attacked by a mutated creature wearing a lab coat. She's able to temporarily defeat the creature, and the two make their way into the police station's parking garage, but there, they are surprised by corrupt police chief Brian Irons, who kidnaps Sherry and takes her to an abandoned orphanage. He then calls Claire, demanding she bring him a pendant that Sherry dropped, and she reluctantly agrees. After she heads off, Leon finds his way to the parking lot and meets FBI agent Ada Wong. In the station's cell area, they find a reporter named Ben Bertolucci, who was arrested by Irons for investigating Umbrella's shady operations. However, Ben is killed by the tyrant, who attacks Leon, but he is saved by Ada. The two then agree to work together and head through a gun shop owned by Robert Kendo, who takes his infected daughter aside before a single gunshot is heard, before Leon and Ada head to the city's sewer system. Meanwhile, Sherry attempts to sneak past Irons to escape the orphanage, but she's unable to escape him. However, the creature in the lab coat reappears and infects him. Shortly after, Claire arrives and finds Irons, who is killed by the parasite he was infected with. Claire then finds Sherry in a facility under the orphanage, but the two are found by the tyrant. During their escape, the creature appears once again and kills the tyrant, but turns its attention towards the two. It attacks an elevator they're in, causing it to drop violently, knocking Claire unconscious and forcing Sherry to head off on her own. Claire is awakened by Annette Birkin, Sherry's mother. She informs Claire that the creature chasing them is her husband, William, mutated. She also reveals that she took Sherry before leaving suddenly. Claire heads off and eventually finds Sherry trapped inside of a trash compactor by Annette. Through her travels to unlock the compactor, Claire discovers proof of the truth. William had escaped with the G-Virus, hoping to sell it to the U.S. military. He was discovered by Umbrella soldiers who shot him fatally. However, in order to survive, he was able to inject himself with the virus in his final moments. He then hunted down and killed the soldiers, shattering the vials of the T-Virus they held and causing the outbreak in Raccoon City. Claire encounters William and fights him once again before successfully opening the compactor. Inside, she rescues Sherry, but finds her to be infected by William, who had been hunting her due to her DNA closely matching his, allowing for the virus to spread. Annette tells Claire that she can heal Sherry at her lab, an umbrella facility called Nest. Meanwhile, Leon and Ada also come across Annette. Ada informs her that they're there for the G-Virus, but Annette responds that it won't be possible. She then ignites an infected corpse before opening fire. Leon tackles Ada and takes a bullet for her, passing out afterwards. Ada follows Annette, eventually finding her, but also getting knocked into a trash compactor. Leon awakens and rescues Ada, and the two head off to Nest as well to get a sample of the virus. On their way, Leon and Ada share a moment and a kiss, and Leon continues on as Ada is too injured from her fall into the compactor. Leon obtains the sample and battles William. Afterwards, Annette reveals that Ada is not actually an FBI agent, but rather a mercenary who plans to sell the virus. 
Leon confronts Ada and she admits her deceit, pulling a gun and demanding Leon hand over the virus. Annette shoots her, however, and she slips off the bridge they stand on. Leon reaches to catch her, dropping the virus into the abyss beneath the lab. Leon loses his grip, however, and Ada falls as well. Meanwhile, Claire finds the vaccine for the virus, unlocking it with Sherry's pendant. She also battles William as Annette administers the virus to Sherry. Claire emerges victorious, and Annette succeeds in curing Sherry before dying from wounds incurred by William. Afterwards, the facility begins a self-destruct sequence, and Claire takes Sherry to an evacuation train, where she successfully communicates with Leon. After fighting and defeating William once again, Claire enters the train and takes off. Elsewhere, Leon encounters the tyrant once again, and Ada, who somehow survived her fall, tosses him a grenade launcher to help him defeat the creature. He does so and escapes to find the moving train, hopping on and finding Claire and Sherry inside. The train is attacked again by the final remains of William. The pair are able to defeat him once and for all, and the three finally escape the city. They leave the train to continue on foot, and Leon and Claire swear to continue their fight to take down Umbrella, and the three agree to stay together. At least, for now. Afterwards, the sole survivor of William Birkin's attack on the Umbrella operatives, codenamed Hunk, escapes the city with a sample of the G-Virus. At a temporary shelter, Dr. George Hamilton finds a note from his colleague, Dr. Peter Jenkins, asking him to help at the nearby Raccoon University. George takes some survivors to help Jenkins at the university, but when they arrive, they find him dead by gunshot to the back of the head. They find his notes referencing an antivirus called Daylight intended to fight the T-Virus. The survivors then set out to find the materials needed to synthesize the antivirus. Elsewhere, a team of mercenaries working for Umbrella encounter an experimental tyrant B.O.W. called Thanatos, created by rogue Umbrella researcher Greg Mueller. Nikolai arrives to collect a sample of Thanatos' blood, which he does, enraging the monster and causing it to kill all of Nikolai's ground troops. The canister of blood falls, and the survivors are able to retrieve it to obtain one of the daylight components. They then obtain the other two components and head to synthesize the vaccine. Upon doing so, however, they are interrupted by Mueller, who threatens them with Thanatos before he is shot dead by Nikolai. The survivors then escape with the sample, and Nikolai starts a timer on a detonator of C4 charges throughout the university. The survivors escape and battle Thanatos, finally defeating the monster. A helicopter then rescues them as they escape with the sample of daylight. Sometime later, Carlos finds Jill and carries her off to the nearby Spencer Memorial Hospital to look for Dr. Bard and hopefully his vaccine. After fighting off several Hunter Beta B.O.W.s, Carlos finds Dr. Bard. However, he is dead, with a bullet hole in his head. He investigates a nearby computer finding Bard's final message, where he admits to Umbrella's involvement in the T-virus creation and outbreak. In the video, he explains he has a sample of the vaccine in his office, with more stock of it downstairs. He again warns that Umbrella plans to kill him, erase any trace of the vaccine, and cover up the entire ordeal. Carlos grabs the vaccine sample and heads back to give it to Jill. After injecting it, Carlos and Jill both rest, but Carlos is later awoken by Tyrell, who barges in and wakes him up. They then hear an emergency announcement that the military plans to destroy the city in a massive missile strike the next day. Carlos then fights off an onslaught of infected and hunter betas before heading underground to look for the rest of the vaccine before the military strike. Afterwards, Jill wakes up and speaks with Tyrell, who fills her in on the situation. She heads to the underground storage facility to look for Carlos. Later, Tyrell arrives, telling her that he was able to speak with the military to delay the missile launch if they can deliver the vaccine. 
When they arrive at the storage facility, Jill's nemesis arrives and kills Tyrell, forcing her to run off. She finds the vaccine facility, but learns that she has to synthesize it herself. She collects the samples required and places it into the machine, successfully synthesizing it and obtaining the vaccine sample to turn over to the government. Just after, she is grabbed by the BOW and is chased into a giant room with several large tanks. She drops the vaccine and falls off a catwalk, grabbing the edge and hanging on. Nikolai arrives and grabs the vaccine, telling Jill that he's going to record and sell the combat data from her battles with the nemesis. He then kicks her off the ledge, and she is forced to fight the creature one-on-one. Carlos arrives to provide support during the battle, and the pair are able to work together to defeat the creature. Jill escapes and comes across Nikolai, who she threatens to hand over the vaccine. He refuses and runs off, leaving her to fight yet another, larger mutation of the nemesis. Carlos arrives shortly after, but Jill sends him to catch Nikolai before she battles the nemesis for the last time. After their final battle, Jill obliterates the monster with an experimental railgun before rushing off to the elevator to find Carlos and Nikolai. On the roof of the facility, she finds an incapacitated Carlos on the ground, and Nikolai ambushes her. He then throws the vaccine to her, but shoots the vial, destroying the sample. He then reveals that his unnamed employer is paying him to bring down Umbrella. They then hear an announcement that the missile has launched, and they have ten minutes until impact. But as Nikolai starts to leave, Carlos attacks him. The two fight, and Jill shoots Nikolai in the chest. Carlos enters a nearby helicopter, and Nikolai offers the truth behind his employers and motives if they take him with them. Jill refuses, however, as she enters the helicopter to leave with Carlos, instead electing to figure out the truth on her own. The pair then fly off, leaving Nikolai and Raccoon City behind while vowing to take down Umbrella. Elsewhere, we find an Umbrella Security Service member, Captain Rodriguez, preparing to leave the city in an aircraft with a stolen B.O.W. He is with Umbrella researcher Dr. Linda Baldwin, who convinces him to wait while she goes back to the R&D center to retrieve a drug that may help in stopping the spread of the virus. As she enters, experimental hunter B.O.W.'s escape captivity and place the facility on lockdown. Baldwin is able to obtain her sample, but cannot escape the facility until the lockdown is released. Another researcher, Dr. Carter, begins to activate a tyrant, called the Tyrant R, hoping it can kill the hunters and allow their escape. The Tyrant R succeeds in killing the hunters, and Carter then plans to cause it to destruct by activating a bomb hidden within the creature. However, the Tyrant R interrupts this plan, killing him, destroying the sample, and knocking Baldwin down into the water treatment facility below. There, she is found and rescued by survivors, and after some water flushes through the sewers, they emerge outside the Apple Inn. After fighting the Tyrant R once more, the survivors reach Rodriguez and escape the city before its destruction commences. Meanwhile, we find Ada escaping the sewers to the surface of Raccoon City, in front of the Apple Inn. There, she intends to meet her contact from Umbrella's rival company, but finds him dead from suicide. Suddenly, Albert Wesker calls her on a nearby computer, accusing her of failing her mission and defecting to help Leon. But she shows him the sample of the G-Virus she was able to recover. Wesker then informs her of the city's imminent destruction and tells her to find a helicopter carrying an Umbrella executive to escape him. Ada makes her way, fighting the Tyrant R on her way and killing it in turn, before finding the helicopter and attaching her grappling hook to a package being carried by it, allowing her to escape the city. Afterwards, the U.S. government carries out their plan and destroys Raccoon City with a thermobaric missile blast. 
One month later, private detective Ark Thompson is asked by Leon, his personal friend, to investigate an Umbrella facility. Ark is able to infiltrate the Umbrella-controlled Sheena Island under the guise of impersonating Umbrella commander Vincent Goldman. However, Ark is seen by a child, Lot Klein, who informs the real Vincent of this imposter. Vincent, believing Ark to be sent by Umbrella headquarters to find proof to remove him from his position, then triggers an outbreak, hoping to escape in the scuffle during the cleanup operation. During the outbreak, Vincent discovers Ark in his office. The two have a quick fight where Vincent grabs Ark's dog tags, but Ark is able to escape to the helipad and commandeer the chopper there. Vince grabs onto the landing skids, and as Ark attempts to fly away, he loses control, causing Vincent to fall to the ground, and the helicopter crash lands with Ark still inside. When Ark recovers, he wakes up with a gun, but no memory of who he is or why he is there. He fights through the island's infected inhabitants, finding Vincent's unconscious body, holding his dog tags. This causes Ark to believe that the man in front of him is Ark Thompson. Eventually, Ark finds photographs of him impersonating Vincent, leading him to believe that he is in fact the commander, and the perpetrator of the horrible acts on the island. Ark continues through the island, finding the Umbrella facility and two children, Lot and his sister Lily, whose parents were employees of Umbrella. They initially fear him, believing they'll be punished for revealing his identity to Vincent, but he protects them and earns their trust, leading Lot to reveal Ark's true identity to him, which sparks him to regain all of his memories. The facility suddenly triggers a self-destruct sequence, and Ark sends the kids to the facility's railway station where he will meet them. However, on his way, Ark encounters the prototype Hypnos T-Type Tyrant. After fighting the Tyrant, Ark heads to the railway and the three regroup and take the tram to the helipad for evacuation. There, the Tyrant attacks once again, but Ark defeats it and takes off in the helicopter. However, still not quite done, the Tyrant grabs the helicopter, but Ark fires two missiles at it, finally killing it. The three then fly off in the distance, not quite knowing what their future holds. Three months after the destruction of Raccoon City, Claire infiltrates an Umbrella facility, still searching for Chris. Claire is captured by Rodrigo Juan Raval and imprisoned in the remote Rockford Island facility. While unconscious in her cell, she is awakened by the sound of a nearby explosion. Rodrigo arrives and releases Claire from her cell, believing they all will be dead soon anyway. Outside, Claire discovers that an outbreak of the T-Virus has occurred on the island. Shortly after, she comes across a fellow escaped inmate, Steve Burnside, and the two discover that Chris has been under surveillance by Umbrella. Claire uses a facility's PC to contact Leon to inform Chris of her capture and Umbrella surveillance. Claire continues on and finds the Ashford estate, eventually meeting its inhabitants, twins Alfred and Alexia Ashford, who try to hinder Claire and Steve's progress. The pair eventually discover Alfred to be disguising himself as his sister as part of a dual personality disorder before they are able to escape the island in an airplane. During their flight, they are attacked by the T-078 Tyrant, which Claire is able to fend off, before the ship's autopilot activates and takes them to an Umbrella facility in Antarctica. There, they are again confronted by Alfred, who Steve is able to shoot, causing him to fall into an abyss. Just after this, the mutated remains of Alexander Ashford, the twins' father, as well as son of Umbrella co-founder Edward Ashford, awaken as the Nosferatu, and it attacks the pair as they reach a helipad. Claire fights the creature and kills it, allowing her and Steve to take a nearby snowmobile and head off to a nearby research outpost. Meanwhile, Alfred crawls to find his sister, Alexia, waking from a cryogenic sleep she was put under after she injected herself with the T-Veronica virus the family developed 15 years prior. Now awakened with mutated abilities, but her consciousness intact, she is able to dispatch a 
tentacle to capture Claire and Steve. She then cradles her brother as he finally dies. In the meantime, Chris Redfield arrives on Rockford Island after receiving Claire's message from Leon. While searching the island to determine where Claire has gone, Chris comes across Albert Wesker, who was hired by a new organization to capture Alexia for a sample of the T. Veronica virus. Surprisingly, Wesker now possesses superhuman strength and speed. Wesker reveals Claire's location to Chris before leaving to search for Alexia. Chris heads to the Antarctic and discovers the Nosferatu, recovered and sprung up to hang by Alexia. Chris is able to defeat her defenses and reach Claire in a replica of the Spencer Mansion within the base. They are separated by Alexia's tentacles, and Claire heads off alone to search for Steve. Claire finds Steve, but he is unfortunately infected by the T. Veronica virus. He then mutates into a giant, axe-wielding creature and attempts to kill Claire. One of Alexia's tentacles captures Claire, and Steve is able to fight the virus to free her. Steve then reverts back to his normal self and professes his love for Claire before dying from his wounds. In the main hall, Chris watches Wesker confront Alexia. She refuses to turn herself over and mutates into a more powerful form to battle Wesker. He then leaves Chris to handle the situation as he runs off. Chris fights Alexia, defeating her, then heading off to rescue Claire. However, Alexia arrives again, and Chris is forced to take her down again to protect his sister. Alexia then mutates further, and Chris uses an experimental weapon called the Linear Launcher to take her out once and for all. As they attempt to escape the now self-destructing facility, Wesker captures Claire, and Chris gives chase. Outside, Wesker releases Claire, revealing that his men have taken Steve to extract the T. Veronica virus remaining in his body. Wesker taunts that maybe Steve can be revived as he was to see Claire again. Chris convinces Claire to leave as he fights Wesker one-on-one. -on -one. After the fight, the exploding building causes injury to Wesker, causing him to flee, warning Chris that the next time they meet will surely be their last. Chris then reaches a plane that Claire found, and the two fly off, escaping the facility as it explodes, with Chris vowing to destroy Umbrella once and for all. Two years later, the U.S. Army sends a task force to the Republic of Panamstan, which is currently engaged in a civil war. In an attempt to combat a supposed threat of the Chinese military developing bioweapons, U.S. Army Major General Wilson conspires with a pharmaceutical company to develop a modified T-virus in hopes to create super soldiers. Unbeknownst to the public, Wilson has a team called Alpha-2 infected with this virus and uses this mission to test its efficacy, supplying them with vials of an inhibitor to stop the cannibalistic effects of the T-virus. When Alpha-2's helicopter is shot down, another team called the Mad Dogs land in an attempt to rescue them. While they're able to rescue one member of Alpha-2, a soldier named Jun C, the Mad Dogs are then attacked by insurgents. Later that night, the rest of the corpses from Alpha 2 are hung up by rope and set aflame. The dead bodies then awaken as zombies, setting themselves free before attacking the insurgents while a young boy watches. The Mad Dogs then retreat into a building where they try to make contact for backup, but receive no response. On the other end, a radio operator named Shen Mei, who happens to be Jun C's sister, is commanded by Wilson not to respond to their calls. The Mad Dogs are then attacked by a horde of zombies, which they are able to fight off, but not before all of them are bitten in the process. As he lays dying, Jun C gives the Mad Dogs his supply of inhibitor vials, instructing them to use it before they turn. 
The Mad Dogs then return to camp with the now-zombified Jun C in a body bag, and they discuss their next move. Believing they might be murdered to cover up what they saw, the group grow paranoid, but are interrupted by Shen Mei, who discovers her brother's current state. A Mad Dogs member named Jason and Shen Mei then arrange to have Jun C smuggled back to his family. Afterwards, Wilson uses the Mad Dogs as his own personal covert unit, supplying them with the inhibitor in return. Two years later, Leon S. Kennedy, now working as a special agent for the United States, is sent with USSO comm soldier Jack Krauser to South America to track down Javier Hidalgo, a former drug lord who had gone missing, but reportedly had reached out to Umbrella. In a nearby village, they find the inhabitants, some Javier's men, to be infected. They fight their way through the village to find their guide, who claims that a girl has brought devils to the village before he is taken away by a B.O.W., Leon and Krauser find the girl, soothing the B.O.W. with a song. The duo are able to fight it to scare it away, then head inside to rescue the girl. Unconscious, they take her on a boat and head upstream to Hidalgo's mansion. When she awakens, they head into a dam, where Javier and his men arrive. He reveals the girl to be his daughter, Manuela, who he has been treating with the T. Veronica virus obtained by Wesker to hopefully cure her terminal disease. She is able to avoid his capture, however, and the three regroup on top of the dam. Eventually, they come across the B.O.W. again, and it is revealed to be Manuela's mother, Hilda, mutated due to a failed attempt at curing the disease with the virus. As they kill her, she shoots out a spike from her body, piercing Krauser's arm, infecting him with the virus. Javier then merges himself with a plant harboring the T. Veronica virus, and Manuela focuses the power of the virus inside of her, and she helps kill the monstrosity that's become of her father. Afterwards, the three escape on a helicopter. Manuela is taken in by the government, and Krauser is discharged from the military for his injuries. But, inside his own mind, he knows the path he must take to harness the power now inside of him. Sometime later, disgraced former Umbrella employee Morpheus D. Duval is aboard the Umbrella-owned Spencer Rain ship, holding the world hostage under threat of releasing the virus unless he receives a ransom from the U.S. and China of $1 billion. Bruce McGivern is sent by a United States government task force developed to take down Umbrella, and a Chinese agent named Fong Ling is sent in by her respective government. Bruce is confronted by Morpheus on the ship's foredeck and held at gunpoint. Fong Ling surprises the both of them with a grenade attack, allowing Bruce to escape into the ship and injuring Morpheus. To heal himself, Morpheus injects himself with an experimental combination of the T-virus and a G-virus antibody. This causes him to mutate, but he's able to maintain his mind state. He battles Bruce in his new form, but Bruce is aided again by Fong Ling to emerge successful. The two then work together to return power to the ship and access the bridge, where they discover the ship's collision course towards a nearby island. Bruce then fights an escaped experimental T plus G virus tyrant called the Tyrant 091 and is able to defeat it before jumping into the ocean and swimming towards the shore of the island. There, Bruce and Fong Ling find that the island was repurposed by Umbrella as a waste disposal facility for BOW experiments. After defeating some of them, they learn that Morpheus has reached a deal with China, who will pay his ransom if they kill Fong Ling. Bruce cuts out a tracking device in her tattoo, rendering them unable to kill her by orbital strike. Bruce defeats a large B.O.W. called Pluto before Morpheus arrives and sends the elevator he and Fong Ling are in crashing to the sea floor. They are able to survive, but later Fong Ling is captured by Morpheus. 
Bruce is able to finally defeat Morpheus after the G component of his virus took control, allowing Bruce to deal enough damage to kill the beast. Afterwards, Bruce and Fong Ling escape using a nearby boat, and the two share a kiss, with Fong returning to the U.S. in a rescue helicopter with Bruce. Months later, Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield reunite on a new mission together to investigate a town in the Caucasus region of the Russian Federation for B.O.W. activity. They quickly discover everyone in the town to be infected by the T-virus and conclude that Umbrella's to blame. They find one survivor, a girl named Anna. They find Wesker, who doesn't take responsibility for the outbreak, instead claiming it to be an accident. Wesker escapes, and Chris and Jill are forced to flee to their vehicle to get a grenade launcher to kill attacking hunters. Anna then gives Jill a pendant to protect her from the cursed beings. The pair then find Wesker in Anna's house, approaching a safe, which he claims holds Umbrella Research. Anna gives Wesker a pendant, which he is able to turn into the key to open the safe. However, it explodes, having been a trap for whomever would try to steal the data. Wesker survives the explosion and finds a disk of research elsewhere in the house. Chris and Jill later determine that there is an umbrella factory nearby that was producing the B.O.W.s in the area. Chris and Jill find and storm the facility with the help of a group of armed activists. There, Sergei Vladimir unleashes the T-Virus, as well as all of the most powerful B.O.W. defenses inside the facility. They're able to take all of these down, as well as Umbrella's most sophisticated and powerful tyrant, the Tyrant Armored Lethal Organic System, successfully securing the facility. Using Chris and Jill's attack as a distraction, Wesker also infiltrates the facility and is met by Sergei, who sends one of his Ivan bodyguards after him. Wesker is able to dispatch of this threat and find Sergei once more, who infects himself with the T-Virus. After he mutates, Wesker kills him and steals all of Umbrella's data from their Red Queen supercomputer. He then erases the machine and leaves with a new goal in mind. Afterwards, Umbrella is tried and found guilty of their crimes revolving around the Raccoon City outbreak. Wesker testifies anonymously, implicating founder Oswell E. Spencer, starting a global manhunt. Wesker then uploads all of the stolen data into his computer, vowing to meet Spencer again. A year later, the floating Mediterranean city of Terra Grigia is attacked by the bioterrorist outfit Il Veltro. The Federal Bioterrorism Commission calls in help from the Independent Bioterrorism Security Assessment Alliance, co-founded by Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine, to take care of the threat of BOWs in the city. But they ultimately fail causing the head of the FBC, Morgan Lansdale, to call for the city's total destruction using the solar-powered satellites the city used for energy. Despite the BSAA's leader, Clive R. O'Brien's protests, the FBC carries out this plan, evacuating all operatives from the city and assigning agents Parker Luciani and Jessica Sherawat to protect the building for evac. At the same time, a human rights organization called TerraSave works to rescue any survivors before the city's destruction. One member, Neil Fisher, finds and rescues a girl named Natalia, whose parents were killed in the outbreak, and he gives her a teddy bear, which she names Lottie. After the evacuation's complete, Parker and Jessica reach their own escape chopper, and the satellites activate, altogether destroying the city of Terra Disappointed by the FBC's decision to destroy the city instead of saving it, the pair then leave the commission to join the BSAA. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The uh, way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Months later, Leon S. Kennedy is sent to an unnamed village in Spain to rescue Ashley Graham, daughter of the president, who is kidnapped by a mysterious cult called Los Illuminados. There, Leon encounters the villagers infested by a mind-controlling parasite called Las Plagas. At the same time, Ada Wong, still working for Umbrella's rival company, is sent by Albert Wesker to gain information on Las Plagas. She sees Leon battling the villagers and makes her way to the nearby church, ringing the bell to lead the villagers away. Leon then meets a captured Luis Serra, who unbeknownst to him, is a researcher planted by Wesker's organization, who Ada is currently working for. The two are then captured, and the cult's leader, Osmond Sadler, injects Leon with the parasite while he's passed out. When the two awaken, they are able to break their bonds and Luis runs off. Leon then makes his way towards a nearby church after learning that Ashley might be there. On his way, he is accosted by Los Illuminados priest Vitores Mendez, but Ada arrives and shoots him, distracting him to chase her instead. She is then shot with a tranquilizer dart and captured by the cult, who she is able to escape easily. Leon fights a giant plague-infected creature called the Del Lago before collapsing in a nearby cabin due to his exhaustion and festering infection. After waking, Leon makes his way to the church and rescues Ashley. However, upon leaving with her, the pair are confronted by Sadler, who reveals that not only has Leon been infected with the parasite, but so has Ashley. Los Illuminados plans to allow the two to return to the president, then take control with the Plagas to infect and subsequently control the president and other powerful figures in turn. The two are able to escape the church and make their way back to the cabin where they meet Luis. After defeating an onslaught of attacking Ganado, or those infected with the Plagas, Luis steps out and speaks to Ada alone, who he informs that he is leaving to gather a sample of the parasite for her. Leon and Ashley then head off to reach a nearby castle, hoping to take refuge until they can extract. On their way, they are again confronted by Mendez, but Leon is able to kill him and take his artificial eye, using it to activate a retinal scanner and open the gate to the castle. Inside the castle, Leon meets Ramon Salazar, the castellan of the area. Salazar, a 20-year-old, despite his appearance, reveals that he is also infected with the Plagas, but the dominant species allows him full control of his body as well as the other hosts. Leon and Ashley leave to go to the center of the castle, but Ashley begins to cough up blood due to her infection. Distraught by this, she runs away from Leon, getting captured in the process. Leon searches the castle for Ashley and is eventually confronted by Ada. He asks her about her employment, but she doesn't reveal anything, instead cryptically escaping in a smokescreen. 
Leon finds Ashley, and as he is about to arrive to rescue her, Luis arrives with a drug to suppress his and Ashley's infection. However, he is quickly killed by Sadler, who obtains the sample of the Plagas that Luis obtained for Ada. Sadler leaves, and with his dying breath, Luis gives Leon the medication and warns him that he must retrieve the sample from Sadler. Ada witnesses this, and informs Wesker of this development. Leon reunites with Ashley, but the two are separated again. Leon fights his way to Salazar, who reveals that Ashley has been taken to a research facility on a nearby island. Salazar then fully mutates, and Leon is able to kill him. Leon then finds Ada in a speedboat, who offers to take him to the island. Once they arrive, Ada escapes from Leon once again, and she heads off to meet with Jack Krauser, now working for Wesker as well. The two discuss their plan to obtain the sample, and after she leaves, Ada is informed by Wesker that Krauser's mission is to kill Leon. In the research facility, Leon finds Ashley, and the two escape, only to find Sadler, who reveals that their virus has progressed to the point where he can control them, making Ashley join him as he leaves Leon incapacitated. When Leon regains his ability to move, he heads off to find Ashley once again, but is attacked by Krauser. Just as Krauser is about to kill Leon, Ada arrives and shoots him, causing him to retreat. She then leaves Leon once again. Leon fights his way to Ashley once again, eventually coming across Krauser, whose infected arm fully mutates before the two fight once more, with Leon defeating him and continuing on. Ada reports Krauser's death to Wesker, who decides to use Leon to do the dirty work of killing Sadler, with Ada on cleanup duty afterwards. Later, Leon and Ada's paths cross once again, but during their meeting, the Plaga takes over Leon, causing him to attack Ada. She's able to stab him to snap him out of it, and the two split up once again. Afterwards, Ada is attacked by Krauser, who survived his recent encounter with Leon. The two fight, and Ada is able to kill him once and for all. Leon finally finds Ashley's containment room and confronts Sadler, who is quickly able to overpower him. Luckily, Ada arrives and shoots Sadler, providing enough distraction for Leon to release Ashley from her pod and escape. Ada then fights Sadler on her own, eventually believing to have killed him. However, when she goes to retrieve the sample, he attacks and captures her. Leon and Ashley find a room with a device to remove the Plagas from their bodies. They use the device to cure themselves, then head off to escape the island. Leon leaves Ashley behind and goes to the top of the facility to find Sadler with the captured Ada. Leon is able to free Ada from captivity, and he and Sadler begin to fight. During their battle, Ada finds a rocket launcher and once again throws it down to help Leon defeat his foe. After killing Sadler, Leon obtains the sample, but Ada forces him to hand it over at gunpoint. She then escapes in a helicopter, throwing him keys to a jet ski to escape the self-destructing island. Leon and Ashley make their way to the jet ski and drive through the caves under the island, narrowly escaping the blast as they make their way to freedom. Months later, FBC agent Rachel Foley is sent with her partner Raymond Vester to an abandoned cruise ship called the Queen Zenobia to investigate the potential return of the terrorist group El Veltro, responsible for the Terragrigia incident. The pair get separated during their mission, and Rachel encounters victims of a newly engineered T-Abyss virus, who ultimately kill her. Later, BSAA director Clive O'Brien sends Parker Luciani and Jill Valentine to the ship, as it was reportedly the last known location of fellow agents Chris Redfield and Jessica Sherawat. Jill and Parker reach the ship and fight through various T-Abyss mutants before finding Chris tied up behind a locked door. When they unlock it and enter, however, they discover it to be a mannequin decoy and are surprise attacked and knocked out by a Veltro operative. 
Meanwhile, Chris and Jessica are in the mountains of Europe, where they find a Veltro base of operations at the Valkoinen Mookie airstrip. Just as they reach it, however, they are finally reached by O'Brien and informed that he sent Parker and Jill to the Mediterranean on false intel and has since lost contact with them. Believing them to be captured by El Veltro, Chris and Jessica head off to the Queen Zenobia. On the ship, Jill and Parker awaken and regroup, eventually escaping to the bridge and finding FBC agent Raymond Vester, who immediately recognizes his former co-worker Parker. Raymond refuses to answer why the FBC is there and walks away from the two BSAA agents. Later, they find him once again in a communication room. The equipment to call out is destroyed, but they are able to watch a transmission from El Veltro leader Jack Norman, who threatens to infect one-fifth of the world's water supply with the T-Abyss virus. O'Brien then sends agents Keith Lumley and Quint Kethchim to the airstrip to investigate El Veltro's motives. On the ship, Jill and Parker head off to restore power. On her way, Jill finds a now-mutated Rachel Foley, who she is forced to kill. Her and Parker then find a lift, which takes them below the decks of the ship. Meanwhile, Keith and Quint arrive at the airstrip, where they find surveillance footage of invisible hunters, as well as a security token to allow them to extract data from a nearby crashed freight plane. Parker and Jill reach the engine room and restore power, but this triggers water to quickly flood into the room, trapping the pair. Keith and Quint find the crash plane, but are attacked by the invisible hunters. They're able to fend off the attack and access the data on the plane. Quint finds the coordinates of the ship and sends the info back to O'Brien, who relays it to Chris and Jessica. The pair board the ship and begin to search for Parker and Jill. However, they find the ship to be missing their fellow agents. They then discover that they are on the Queen Zenobia's sister ship, the Queen Samarimus. On the Zenobia, Parker and Jill are able to swim to safety and reach a communication tower to call O'Brien. He informs them that they were set up, but has to take another call where he is informed that the energy satellite used to destroy Terra Grigia has been activated by the FBC and pointed at the Queen Zenobia. Quint helps Parker and Jill find and operate a UAV stored on the ship, which they are able to use to divert the satellite's targeting system. While the explosion misses the ship, it creates a giant wave that threatens to capsize the ship. Meanwhile, O'Brien speaks to FBC director Morgan Lansdale, who hints at his involvement with Il Veltro. Chris and Jessica reach the real Queen Zenobia, and inside, Parker and Jill are confronted by the Veltro operative that was on the ship. He begins to reveal the secret behind the ship and Il Veltro, but is shot by an arriving Jessica, much to Chris's disappointment. They rush to unmask the operative and discover him to be none other than Raymond Vester. He whispers something to Parker before seemingly dying from his wounds. Chris and Jill then reunite to search for the virus to stop its spread, and Parker and Jessica go to find a way to buy time by stopping the ship from sinking. Meanwhile, back in the mountains, Keith and Quinn find proof at the airfield that shows that Veltra was never back in effect after the Terra incident, but instead it was all a show orchestrated by O'Brien to convince Lansdale that they were. The FBC discover their presence and order a bomb strike on the field, which the two were able to avoid. Chris and Jill reach the laboratory where the virus is kept and they begin to suppress it. They are then contacted via video phone by Lansdale, who admits his hand in helping cause the Terra incident in order to gain funding and influence for the FBC. Meanwhile, Parker pulls a gun on Jessica, revealing that Raymond informed him that she is a mole inside BSAA working for Lansdale. Just then, Raymond arrives and confirms 
having survived the gunshot due to a Kevlar vest. Raymond proclaims that Jessica is currently trying to activate the ship's self-destruct mechanism to destroy any evidence of Lansdale's corruption that is on the ship. Jessica confirms these suspicions by grabbing her gun, shooting Parker, and triggering the self-destruct sequence. Raymond then runs after Jessica, leaving a wounded Parker behind. Jill and Chris find Parker, and Jill helps carry him through the ship. However, when a catwalk breaks, she is unable to stop him from falling. While Chris helps try to pull him up, he ultimately slips and falls into the fires below. Jill and Chris race to get to the helipad at the ship to meet their extract pilot, but the ship is attacked by a giant mutated creature. They are able to fight it off and await a helicopter, which they board and use to kill the creature, which sinks the ship with it. Chris and Jill then debrief O'Brien on the situation, who reveals his conspiracy of tricking Lansdale into revealing his affiliation with Il Veltro. He also reveals that before Kirk and Quentin died, they discovered the existence of a third ship, the Queen Dido. Meanwhile on the sinking ship, Raymond finds Parker and informs him that Jessica has escaped the ship before picking him up and helping him do the same. At the BSAA headquarters, the FBC, led by Lansdale, arrive and arrest O'Brien, using his involvement in the new Il Veltro as a smokescreen to take him down. Chris and Jill then submerge in the sea and enter the Queen Dido, finding Il Veltro leader Jack Norman inside. However, they discover that he had injected himself with the T-Abyss virus a year prior, but had been resisting its mutation through sheer will. Jill obtains a drive containing recordings of his communications with Lansdale, but as they try to leave, he injects himself with even more of the virus, transforming into the final form Abyss Tyrant. The pair are able to fight and kill him, bringing an end to the real Il Veltro once and for all. Jill then broadcasts Norman's video of his and Lansdale's communications revealing his involvement with the terrorist attack behind Terra Grigia. Seeing this, the FBC agents immediately release O'Brien and arrest Lansdale instead. Afterwards, the FBC is dissolved into the BSAA, which is reformed as an organization under the United Nations. Parker is found and rescued on the shore and rejoins the BSAA. O'Brien, however, steps down knowing that his actions were unbecoming of his position. Later, Raymond delivers a sample of the T-Abyss virus to Jessica, revealing that they had secretly been working together for Tricell, a rival of Umbrella's, to obtain the sample. Later that year, Claire Redfield, now working for the human rights organization TerraSave, arrives at Harvardville Airport to meet with her friend and her niece, Ronnie Chawla. Meanwhile, protests break out over an outbreak of the T-virus in India, believed to be caused by pharmaceutical company Will Pharma's experiments with the virus on human subjects. Suddenly, a T-virus zombie attacks the airport, and a full-on outbreak occurs. In the shuffle, Claire sees a surprisingly calm former Will Pharma researcher, Curtis Miller. Suddenly, a landing plane carrying an infected passenger crashes through the airport. Claire is able to rescue Ronnie, as well as Senator Ron Davis and an unnamed airline employee, and the four make their way to the VIP lounge. By nightfall, the city's special response team and the U.S. Marines lock down the airport and set up a quarantine for any survivors that escaped. Leon S. Kennedy is sent in to assist two SRT members, Angela Miller and Greg Glenn, with the situation. While the two initially disregard his advice, Leon ends up helping the two infiltrate the airport, fight off several infectees, and reach the survivors in the VIP lounge. The group are able to escape with Leon and Claire's expertise, however Greg is bitten and infected in the process. 
Outside, Leon calls his contact at the U.S. Field Operations Support, Ingrid Hannigan, who informs him that a member of terrorist leader Miguel Grand's army has been captured, which will hopefully lead to a link between the attack in India and the attack at the airport. Meanwhile, a fleet of Wilfarmer trucks arrive, much to Claire's dissatisfaction. However, Wilfarmer researcher Frederick Downing arrives and claims that the trucks contain the T-virus vaccine. Leon arrives and confirms that Wilfarmer's experiments in India weren't the cause of the outbreak, but rather an attempt to stop it. Claire then feels remorse for Terrasave's hand in slowing down the creation and distribution of the vaccine that could have prevented the current outbreak. Moments later, the trucks explode, destroying what is revealed to be the entire stock of the vaccine. Believing this to be another bioterrorist attack, Frederick is sent to return to Will Pharma to check and make sure the raw data is safe. Claire remembers seeing Curtis Miller at the outbreak scene, causing Angela, who reveals Curtis to be her brother, to take Leon to contact her brother at his home. Claire then goes with Frederick to Will Pharma. Leon and Angela find that Curtis has lit his home aflame. Angela then takes a nearby photo featuring Curtis and his late wife and daughter, who died in the Raccoon City outbreak. At Will Pharma, Senator Davis calls Frederick to tell him not to show Claire what Will Pharma is in possession of. He doesn't follow this order, however, and reveals that Will Pharma also holds a sample of the G-Virus that William Birkin created at Umbrella, intending to use it to create a similar vaccine. Frederick then leaves to check on a server, and Claire calls Leon and informs him of the G-Virus discovery. Just then, Frederick calls the office phone to inform Claire that he discovered a time bomb and she needs to leave immediately. She then sees Curtis holding a briefcase before an explosion occurs in the facility. Leon and Angela arrive and split up. Leon goes upstairs and finds Claire, telling her to find the escape elevator. Angela then finds Curtis, who injected himself with the G-Virus sample, hoping to expose the truth about the Raccoon City incident, which the government covered up. Marines arrive and begin to swarm Curtis, who mutates into a giant creature. Claire reaches the elevator and takes it to the facility's control room. Leon arrives in the main area and shoots down a piece of scaffolding, crushing Curtis. Leon and Angela help the surviving Marines to an elevator shaft as the facility begins to spray flammable liquid to begin a self-destruct protocol. Curtis mutates once again and escapes from under the debris, killing the final escaping Marines. Like Birkin before him, Curtis seeks someone who shares his DNA to help spread the virus, and he turns his sight on Angela. Leon and Angela then dive into a nearby pool of water and escape the self-destruction blast. They fall into a system of underground labs, where a surviving Curtis still stalks them. Leon and Angela get separated, but Angela drops the family photo, which Curtis sees, allowing his consciousness to regain a bit of control to not kill her. He tells her to run before the lab falls from self-destruction, but she refuses. Leon arrives, however, and grabs her to save her from falling just as the lab descends. Curtis uses his mutated tail to then take hold, but Leon shoots him one final time, sending him falling to the abyss below. In the control room, Claire discovers that the security system in the facility recorded the entire ordeal with Curtis and his mutation, before she leaves to find an arriving Senator Davis. Claire then accuses him of being behind the terrorist attacks to create a reason for Will Pharma to produce the vaccine in order to raise their stock, which he had an investment in. Leon then arrives to reveal that the terrorist the FBI captured finally talked, revealing that the true mastermind behind the outbreak was Frederick, who faked his death to Claire so he could escape with the T-virus, the vaccine, and the information on the G-virus to sell to General Grant. Leon, Claire, and Angela arrive at the intended handoff location and apprehend Frederick, preventing the virus from getting into the terrorist's hands. The next day, Leon, Claire, and Angela meet one last time. Leon reveals that Frederick was in fact a former Umbrella researcher in Raccoon City, who escaped with the viruses before its destruction. 
Leon then leaves in a military helicopter, and Claire reunites with Ronnie and her aunt. Later, Senator Davis is dead in his office, with all of his files on the viruses and pharmaceutical companies being erased from his computer by an unknown entity. Tricell, revealed to have bought what remained of Will Pharma, then arrives at the facility and collects the severed tip of Curtis's mutated tail. The next year, TerraSave sends Claire to a UN refugee camp in the Republic of Panamstan, which has been devastated by the country's civil war, which has come to a close. There, she meets a young boy who gives her a drawing, which depicts some kind of B.O.W. outbreak, leading her to wonder what happened in the country. Meanwhile, Leon S. Kennedy, having recently prevented a terrorist incident in Pittsburgh, travels to the White House to join with a group of three agents. These agents include a rookie named Patrick and two Army veterans that served in Panamstan, Mad Dogs member Jason and radio operator Shen Mei. President Graham and his aide Ryan meet with the trio of agents while they wait for Leon, tasking them with investigating a cyber attack in which an unknown individual accessed very sensitive classified information. Believing it to be an inside job, the group are instructed to inspect everyone who was on the premises in the past 24 hours. As Leon arrives, the power suddenly goes out. Patrick goes to investigate and finds Press Secretary Spacer, who had been attacked in the darkness. Spacer then goes into cardiac arrest before awakening, apparently infected, and attacking Patrick. Leon arrives just in time to protect him, and the pair return to the Oval Office. Fearing an outbreak inside the White House, the team then focuses on getting the president to a bunker for safety. Once there, Patrick is tasked with protecting the president while they await backup, while the other three head out to take on the zombie threat. After they clear out the mostly infected White House staff, the U.S. Army arrives to clean up the corpses and cover up the incident, at the request of President Graham. Claire Redfield then arrives at the White House in search of the press secretary. When she's shrugged off, she spots Leon and shows him the drawing the boy in Panamstan gave her. He isn't able to give it much thought as he's called away by Jason, who Claire recognizes as the hero of Panamstan. The U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency determines that the hacked files were regarding a bioresearch facility in Shanghai. President Graham then decides to secretly send Leon, Jason, and Shen Mei there in a stealth submarine to search for evidence regarding the hacking and the viral attack on the White House. Meanwhile, Claire decides to investigate the situation in Panamstan, learning that it was believed the U.S. only intervened in the Civil War to attempt to get a foothold into China. She also learns that seven of the surviving members of the Mad Dogs team returned home, but five of them have since committed suicide, leaving only two Mad Dogs remaining, Jason and one other. While Leon and Jason reflect on Panamstan and Raccoon City in the sub, arguing over whether carpet bombing the latter was the right call, the submarine is suddenly rocked. The two then rush to the bridge to investigate, finding the crew there dead. Leon then searches the sub, while Jason and Shen Mei meet by the ship's advanced seal delivery system mini-sub. There, the two agents find the surviving crew, and after informing them of a potential infection, they lock the hatch before suddenly murdering the crewmen. Leon then comes across more corpses, with mutated rat B.O.W.s burrowed within them. As the sub's self-destruction sequence activates, Leon runs from the rats to reach the ASDS. When he reaches it, Shen Mei holds him at gunpoint, but Jason stops her before the three escape the submarine just before it explodes. Sometime later, the three reach a safe house in Shanghai. 
An oblivious Leon sarcastically asks Jason to brief him on the mission, but the man instead reveals that he and Shen Mei are after something else entirely. Something that will expose a conspiracy by the U.S. government. Jason tries to appeal to Leon by reminding him of how the government handled Raccoon City, but Leon refuses to help him. The pair then break out in a fight, with Leon gaining the upper hand and shooting Jason. Shen Mei then runs off, and Leon gives chase. Elsewhere, Claire Redfield tracks down the other surviving member of the Mad Dogs, but as she investigates his home, she finds that she was too late. There, she discovers broken vials on the floor and a far more shocking sight, a man propped up in a chair with his head blown off by an apparent gunshot. Investigating the house, she finds a hidden suicide note before calling the police to inform them of the body. Meanwhile, Shen Mei arrives at her family's mansion outside of Shanghai. There, she meets with her grandfather, Yu En, who has been taking care of Jun Si and trying to find a cure for his infection. Leon follows her and holds them at gunpoint, forcing Shen Mei to reveal the truth behind her and Jason's past and their current mission to expose Wilson, now Defense Secretary, as the one behind deploying BOWs in Panamstan. Leon then determines that Wilson must have also been behind the outbreak at the White House, which he forced Jason to stage in order to start a war with China. Shen Mei then reveals that Wilson had a chip implanted into his super soldier test subjects, all of which he thought were destroyed. However, since Jun Si was smuggled without his knowledge, Yu En was able to extract the chip from his body, and he hands it over to Shen Mei. Suddenly, the mansion is hit by a bombing attack. Leon and Shen Mei narrowly survive as the others are killed as the ceiling collapses. Meanwhile, Wilson and President Graham prepare a speech for the upcoming Panamstan Peace Accords. At Wilson's behest, the speech includes blaming China for the hacking, the outbreak in the White House, and the explosion of the sub. As they prepare to leave, Claire arrives at the White House and accosts Wilson about his involvement with the Mad Dogs unit, informing him that she found a note from one of them who committed suicide. He simply brushes her off and continues on. Back in the ruins of the mansion, Leon recovers the chip, which Shen Mei asks him to give her so she can expose Wilson. Leon initially refuses, not wanting her to put herself in danger. He then realizes that Jason, not wanting justice but instead to spread the terror his men saw in Panamstan, must still be alive, and also was the cause of the explosion that destroyed the mansion. Meanwhile, Claire returns to her motel room, where she is tased and captured by Wilson's agents. Sometime later, while the president prepares for his speech, Leon calls Patrick to have him relay a message to Graham knowing that their history together will make it trustworthy. Claire then awakens to find herself held captive by Wilson in his lab of super-soldier experiments, who tries to buy her silence with a charitable donation to TerraSave. She predictably refuses, and he instead reveals his master plan to her. His main goal, as it turns out, is to have the United States take a firm stand against China so their military can station in Panamstan. Afterwards, he plans to provide his super-soldier virus to the armies in the area, creating a market for his inhibitor and thereby making him an incredible profit. Wilson's speech is then interrupted by Jason, who Claire and the secretary both immediately recognize. Jason then refuses the inhibitor, instead electing to let it mutate him into a powerful B.O.W. before he swiftly bites Wilson, infecting him with his own creation. Leon and Shen Mei then arrive just as the facility detects a rogue bioweapon, initiating its sterilization failsafe of dumping all of the other test subjects into a rising pool of acid. 
Shenmei tries to plead with the mutated Jason to follow their plan of using the chip to expose Wilson, but he instead elects to reveal his own mutated form to the public to make them no fear. Jason, losing his grip on humanity, then kills Shenmei. Meanwhile, President Graham is about to approach his podium to give the speech, but Patrick stops him and delivers Leon's message. With the knowledge that China was simply set up by Wilson, Graham instead gives an improvised speech with a far more hopeful tone. As Jason heads towards the surface, Leon notices Claire and rushes to save her from the rising acid. After doing so, the pair work together to stop the B.O.W., with Leon finding a rocket launcher while Claire attempts to knock Jason into the acid using the facility's controls. When both their plans fail, Leon is forced to fight the beast one-on-one, before he is able to pull a lever that collapses the section of the facility they're standing on, sending Jason into the acid while Leon grabs onto a hook for safety. Afterwards, Leon finds the remains of Jason, who speaks his last words, warning that Leon will soon be forced to spread the fear he's witnessed. The final remains of the man then fall into the acid, killing him for good. Leon then returns to the surface to make sure the president embarks in Air Force One safely, as Patrick commends him for being a hero. Elsewhere, Wilson is still alive, but badly infected. One of his agents then provides him with the inhibitor, which arrives in a case adorned with a logo reading Tricell. Claire and Leon then meet outside the White House, and she asks him to give her the chip so she can expose the corruption within the government. Leon refuses, however, and the pair agree to disagree, going their separate ways to handle things as they each see fit. As she walks off, Claire notes that Leon's current outfit doesn't suit him. The same year, the BSAA received intel on the location of the founder of Umbrella, Oswell E. Spencer. Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield are sent to capture Spencer, as well as search for potential information on the whereabouts of Albert Wesker. Meanwhile, Wesker is in the mansion, speaking with Spencer. The old man reveals that Wesker was actually manufactured as part of the advanced Wesker children, which Albert was made to be the most powerful of. Wesker then powerfully thrusts his hand through Spencer, killing him on the spot. While Spencer's security is found to be dead by Chris and Jill, they are forced to fight their way through mutated creatures and mansion traps before they find Wesker standing over Spencer's corpse. The pair fight the powerful foe, but he evades their attacks, capturing Chris and nearly killing him before Jill sacrifices herself and lunges at Wesker, sending them through a window and off the nearby cliff, leading Chris to helplessly watch his partner fall to her death. Three years later, Chris is sent to Kijuju, Africa to meet with Sheva Alomar of BSAA's West African branch. The two then head off to find a black market BOW smuggler named Ricardo Irving. They quickly discover, however, that most of the city's inhabitants have been infected by a new type of plagas. The two fight their way through the infected citizens of Kijuju, named Majini, before finding the only surviving member of the BSAA's alpha team, Captain Duchant. Duchant informs them that Irving set them up, leading to the death of the rest of the alpha team. He then hands over a data drive containing files he stole before succumbing to his injuries and dying. Soon after, Chris and Sheva are surrounded by Majini, swarming in on motorcycles, but they are saved by the BSAA Delta team led by Captain Josh Stone. Josh gives Chris a memory card with more information, including a photograph of Jill Valentine. 
Eventually, Chris and Sheva find and corner Irving. Before they can capture him, however, a masked figure bursts through the window and helps him escape, unleashing a B.O.W. to distract the pair. They defeat it, and Delta Team member Dave Johnson shows up to transport them to Rendezvous with Delta Team to follow Irving to an oil field. When they arrive at the Rendezvous point, however, Johnson finds the rest of Delta Team dead, and as he checks on one of them, he himself is killed by another giant B.O.W., which Chris and Sheva are able to defeat afterwards. Chris and Sheva are ordered to return to headquarters, but believing Jill to be alive, Chris refuses, instead hoping to find her. Sheva agrees to help, and the pair head to the oil field, passing through a marshlands on the way. There, they discover a village with more infected inhabitants, as well as a pair of tents adorned with the Tricell logo. At the oil field, Chris and Sheva find Josh, who narrowly survived the attack on Delta Team. They then find Irving and the masked figure, who escape via boat and trigger the facility to explode. Josh secures a boat of his own, and the trio escape as the oil field explodes. They then catch up to Irving's boat, and he injects himself with the dominant species Plaga to mutate into a giant aquatic creature, which Chris and Sheva ultimately defeat. As he lays dying on the ship, he blames his lack of power on Excella Gion, the director of Tricell's West African division. He also mentions a new virus called Ouroboros, and directs Chris to search a nearby cave to find the answers he's looking for. Josh takes Chris and Sheva to the cave, then leaves them to return to BSAA to hopefully get back up. Meanwhile, Excella and Wesker discuss the development of the Ouroboros virus, which has now come to its conclusion. She also administers a serum to Wesker to keep the virus in his body stable. Chris and Sheva make their way through an underground civilization in the cave and eventually find a mysterious flower called Stairway of the Sun. Nearby, Chris spots an umbrella logo, and they find an old umbrella research facility that has since been taken over by Tricell. There, they discover that the flower is the source of the progenitor virus, and in turn is the genesis of all of Umbrella's bioweapons. The pair make their way to a cylindrical room lined with pods containing test subjects, which they had seen in photographs with Jill. Chris then uses a computer to hopefully uncover which pod contains his former partner. They are attacked by a giant Plagueis-infected creature, but are able to defeat it and find the pod containing Jill. However, when it opens, Chris is disappointed to discover that it is empty. They are then called by Excella, who orders them to leave, revealing that she was the one who pushed the BSAA to call for their evacuation. The pair then continue into the lab, eventually finding Excella and the masked figure in the flesh. Excella then unleashes a Ouroboros-infected test subject on them, which they are forced to kill. Deeper in the caves, the pair once again find Excella. Again, they are interrupted by the masked figure, who Chris is able to get a shot off on, knocking off their mask. This prompts Wesker's arrival, much to Chris's surprise. Wesker then pulls down the masked figure's hood, revealing it to be a brainwashed Jill. Wesker proclaims that he only has seven minutes to devote to playing with Chris, and afterwards he hands the task off to Jill. She attempts to break free of her control, but Wesker activates the device administering the P-30 chemical causing it. She then rips open her jumpsuit, exposing the device. Chris and Sheva fight Jill, incapacitating her enough to remove the device from her chest. Jill, now back to her normal self, encourages the pair to leave her and stop Wesker from administering Ouroboros across the globe. Chris objects, but Jill asks him to trust her, and he and Sheva leave her behind as they enter a nearby elevator. On the surface, Chris and Sheva see a freighter ship, which Wesker and Excella are boarding. The pair are able to secretly board the ship as well before it leaves the dock. Jill passes out, but is rescued by Josh, who had entered the caves looking for Chris and Sheva after he saw a ship leave. He then takes Jill to reach a helicopter outside to chase after the pair. 
On the ship, Chris and Sheva find Excella with two briefcases. She flees, but drops one in the process. Sheva then picks it up, noticing Wesker's serum inside. They chase her, eventually finding her once again, only this time she has been infected by Ouroboros. Wesker then calls from an intercom, revealing his intention of infecting the world with the virus so he could rule over a new race of humans. Excella cries out, disappointed that she won't get to rule by his side. Leeches burst from her body, killing her and consuming a nearby pile of corpses. Chris and Sheva then call down a satellite laser strike to destroy the giant creature before it sinks the ship. Afterwards, they receive a call from Jill and Josh. Jill informs Chris of Wesker's secret, the virus inside of him that causes his superhuman abilities. She then mentions that an overdose of the serum Sheva found would act to weaken Wesker's abilities. The pair eventually reach Wesker, preparing to board a plane containing the virus. He attacks them, besting them with ease. However, Chris is able to subdue him, and Sheva injects a heavy dose of the serum. While this stops his onslaught, he is able to board his plane and take off. Chris and Sheva chase it on foot, and are able to make it onto the plane as it takes off. A fight ensues on the plane, where Chris is able to inject Wesker with another dose of the serum. This causes him to fall off of the plane, and it crash lands onto an island with an active volcano. There, Chris and Sheva emerge from the plane to find that Wesker survived the fall. Refusing to give up his plan, Wesker punches through one of the plane's Ouroboros missiles, infecting himself with a massive dose of the virus. Chris and Sheva get separated in the ensuing fight, but Chris is able to punch a boulder to create a path so they can rejoin and fight the mutated Wesker. After one final stand, Chris is able to shoot Wesker's exposed weak spot enough to knock him into the volcano. Josh and Jill arrive in the escape helicopter and drop a ladder down to Chris and Sheva. As they finish climbing it, however, Wesker emerges from the lava and in one final act of desperation, grabs the helicopter with his mutated arm. Chris and Sheva then shoot him simultaneously with a rocket launcher each, finally killing Albert Wesker. The four then fly off into the sunset and Chris recognizes that his fight is worth it. The next year, Rebecca Chambers takes a temporary teaching position at the Philosophy University in Philosophy Western Australia. Another teacher at the school, Bethany, expresses concern about students in the university that have gone missing, and Rebecca runs off to discuss this with the founder of the university, Ezra Sennett. In his office, a local detective named Barrington Meyer confronts Rebecca about her visiting the local fossil museum, but she writes this off as an extracurricular interest. She leaves the room, but overhears Meyer receiving a bribe from Ezra to keep his investigation minimal. As Rebecca leaves, she comes across student Mary Gray and Professor Dr. Liam Howard before an outbreak occurs. Bethany and Rebecca coordinate an evacuation of the students, and during this, Rebecca notices a man who resembles Tyler Howard, a former police officer she met during an outbreak in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Chris Redfield, now in charge of training new recruits for the BSAA, is sent with his best recruit, Pierce Nevins, to deal with the outbreak of the university. There, they meet with the BSAA's Oceana branch, Agent Sophie Holm, and the team meet with Rebecca and Barrington. Chris takes charge of the situation and sends Sophie and Barrington to clear out the East Wing, while he takes Rebecca and Pierce to clear out the West. Not trusting Barrington, Chris takes his revolver and gives him a pistol that secretly has no ammunition. Now separated, Rebecca reveals to Chris that she knows Ezra is bribing Barrington and might be involved with the outbreak. 
She also reveals her suspicion that Dr. Howard may be involved as well after investigating the fossil museum, which he directs. As they leave, it is revealed that Tyler was watching them from behind a staircase. In Ezra's office, he speaks with Howard as well as his secretary and adopted son, Matthew Russell. Ezra reveals that he hired Dr. Howard to study the virus to create a strain that could mutate anyone to become more intelligent. However, Howard used the university and its resources to instead perform research into bioorganic weapons. Chris's team reach the Fossil Museum hoping to find Howard. However, they instead find bumbling security officer Posh Brown, who explains that he was instructed by Howard to lock down the museum before he left to go somewhere else. They then instruct Brown to show them how to get to Howard's research lab, but as he does so, a zombie attacks him, biting his leg, which he lies about. Mary, trapped in an AV room with another student, Lucas Butler, calls Rebecca to have her open the fire shutters to allow another student named Olivia Price into the room. Olivia had not reached the room yet, however, but Mary wanted to go out of the room to go find her. Outside, Lucas is forced to kill an infected Bethany. Afterwards, Posh closes the door again and leads the group to Howard's office while Tyler follows closely behind. Meanwhile, Sophie speaks with Barrington, who pulls his gun on her. He reveals that he hopes the BSAA fails so the police department, paid off by Ezra, will cover up the entire situation. Sophie is able to retrieve his gun, but when Barrington is attacked by a zombie, she finds that it has no bullets. Pierce arrives and kills the zombie, and Barrington escapes. However, he comes back with a pistol of his own and pulls it on Pierce. The two then fight hand-to-hand -hand until they are interrupted by another zombie attack, which they are saved from by Tyler, who proclaims that Dr. Howard didn't do anything before leaving, allowing Barrington to escape as well. Just then, Sophie and Pierce are joined by Mary and Lucas. Mary convinces the two to help them go look for Olivia, but she lags behind and texts Olivia to get her location. Meanwhile, Chris, Rebecca, and Posh are in the Fossil Museum where they find the Irish Giant, the remains of a man discovered a century ago that was recently transported to the university to be researched by Dr. Howard. They are attacked by zombies, but Posh closes the fire door and locks them out. Chris then finds a hidden safe room and the trio enter to inspect it. Inside, they find data relating to Umbrella's viruses and research. Chris then asks why Rebecca was initially investigating Dr. Howard, and she reveals that he was in fact Tyler's father. She also reveals that Tyler died five years ago in the St. Cloud incident, after he showed her a PDA containing information on former Umbrella researchers, including his father. When she found out his father was employed by the university, she took a job there to investigate him further. As she finishes telling her story, Barrington arrives and takes Rebecca hostage. He leaves with her, threatening her life if the BSAA lets any information leak about the outbreak. As they leave, they see Mary just as a trap is sprung, causing the ceiling to drop, which Chris and Posh barely escape. Meanwhile, Lucas notices that Mary is no longer with the group, but Sophie and Pierce continue on. Chris and Posh find themselves in Howard's lab, and Tyler arrives, pulls his gun on Chris, and takes the data he found. Tyler reveals that he was recruited by the U.S. government to become a special agent and demands that Chris leave the situation to him. This prompts a fight between the two in which Chris reveals that they know of Tyler's father's hand in the Academy's outbreak. Tyler refuses that his father could be responsible and instead blames Umbrella, eventually submitting to help Chris uncover the truth with the intention of clearing his father's name. 
Tyler then recalls a conversation he had with Mary recently where she proclaimed that Dr. Howard would, quote, reset the world. Pierce and Sophie arrive, accompanied by Lucas, and they are brought up to speed. Posh then finds Howard's identification system. Tyler is able to use it and shutters open, revealing the missing students in tubes, being experimented on and turned into zombies. Lucas is shocked to find that Olivia is one of the experiments. The group then fights their way to escape through a group of zombies, but Lucas is bitten trying to calm Olivia. Initially distraught when Olivia is among the zombies shot, he turns and tries to shoot himself, but is unable to before the virus takes hold. He goes to attack Sophie, but Pierce kills him, protecting her. The pair then escape with Chris. Elsewhere, Tyler finds Mary, who laments the loss of her friends before walking off as Chris, Sophie, Pierce, and Posh arrive. Posh's leg has gotten too bad to proceed, so Sophie offers to stay behind to protect him so the others can go find Rebecca. Meanwhile, Rebecca and Dr. Howard are both being held captive by Barrington. He explains that he was forced to work with Umbrella after his funding was frozen to provide income to support Tyler. He then continued to research the T-Virus, experimenting on fossils to hopefully find a way to resurrect Tyler. However, since he was unable to find Tyler's body, he shifted his focus into researching biological weaponry instead. Rebecca proclaims that she saw Tyler alive, and breaks free and promises to bring him back to his father. She escapes, with Barrington seeing her and giving chase. Afterwards, Ezra tries to explain his motives to Matthew, that a smarter race would no longer find a need to war with one another. Matthew disagrees, believing that with no purpose to evolve, humans would instead suffer more. Meanwhile, Rebecca finds Sophie and Posh, and she tries to heal him with herbs and a first aid spray. However, his virus takes hold and he begs Sophie to kill him, a favor she is forced to grant. Afterwards, Barrington catches up and holds the two women at gunpoint. He offers them one final chance of helping the cover-up and taking a payout, but they deny the offer. Barrington takes out his gun to shoot them, but Posh, not quite dead, lunges and bites the detective, causing him to turn into a zombie almost immediately. Sophie shoots him, finally killing him before thanking Posh and putting him out of his misery for good as well. In Ezra's office, Matthew has hung himself after his argument with his adoptive father, and Dr. Howard is preparing to kill him. However, Chris, Pierce, and Tyler arrive and stop him. Howard admits to creating a new strain of the T-Virus through his experiments with the Irish giant fossil, but Ezra is able to distract Howard, grabbing the case with the virus and escaping. Tyler then confronts his father, who releases a new tyrant infected with his strain. The three fight the tyrant as Howard scurries off to observe and collect battle data. Tyler and Chris distract the giant, and Pierce is able to shoot it to defeat it, much to Howard's disappointment. He then injects himself with the virus as his last-ditch effort, forcing Tyler to shoot and kill his own father. Rebecca and Sophie reunite with the group, and Tyler finds a letter written from his father apologizing for his actions and revealing something about Mary Gray that he is unable to finish reading before she arrives and takes Rebecca hostage at gunpoint. Mary reveals that she isn't truly human, but the result of an experiment by her father, another Umbrella researcher, and Dr. Howard, who injected her with a T-virus to hopefully cure her fatal blood disease. This treatment worked, but required a steady treatment of the virus administered by Howard. Because of this, Mary considered Howard a father figure, and becomes infuriated at Tyler for killing him. She also admits that it was her that led Howard to his plan of resetting the world with his bioweapons. 
Chris is able to talk sense into her and take her weapon, but she still resists, engaging in hand-to-hand combat enhanced by the virus inside her. The battle moves to the rooftop, and Tyler is able to speak with Mary, who realizes her true anger lies with the fact that Lucas chose Olivia over her. She then asks the group if she can start over again, and Tyler responds that she can. She thanks them, saying she will now reset before mutating into a giant creature. The team fight the creature before Rebecca arrives with the rocket launcher, which Chris shoots at it, leaving behind nothing but the memory of Mary Gray. Afterward, Chris thanks Tyler for his help, handing him the letter his father left. Sophie then gives Pierce her number, and they leave her behind to return to BSAA to take on the next threat together. Meanwhile, Ezra runs off with a sample of the virus, finding Mary's disembodied arm next to a bullet-ridden umbrella. He clutches the arm, apologizing to her for his hand in making her the way she was, before promising that he'll carry forward in starting his new world for them. Just then, the briefcase starts beeping, leaving Ezra's future unknown. A year later, Claire Redfield attends a party at the TerraSave headquarters, where she meets her new partner, Moira Burton, former STARS officer Barry Burton's eldest daughter. Claire is then pulled aside by Neil Fisher, who informs Claire about a potential new virus in Washington. Suddenly, the power goes out in the building, and it is stormed by a group of masked assailants who capture Claire, Moira, and several other TerraSave members. When Claire awakens, she finds herself in an old prison with a mysterious bracelet on her wrist. She is able to reunite with Moira, and when they try to escape, the two find themselves to be surrounded by mutated humans. As they move through the prison, an unknown woman begins to quote poetry to them through the devices in their wrists. Using clever teamwork, the pair are able to escape the prison and are once again contacted by the woman who refers to herself as the Overseer. The two then make their way to a radio tower, which Claire climbs to discover they are on an unknown island. Moira then sends out a distress call to whomever can hear it. Claire and Moira then continue searching the island, eventually finding fellow TerraSave members Gabe Chavez and Pedro Fernandez inside an abandoned saloon. The group searched the town to find parts to repair a nearby helicopter for escape before the overseer activates a siren in the town to attract more monsters. Claire is able to shut off the siren, but Pedro is overcome by monsters, triggering massive fear. The Overseer then informs them that they have all been injected with the new T-Phobos virus that reacts to fear, and Pedro mutates into a giant monster himself, which Claire runs from. She spots Neil Fisher outside, and he helps her and Moira escape through a sewer system. On the other side of the tunnel, Claire notices a giant tower in the distance. Figuring the Overseer must be there, she leads the group in that direction. Eventually, they are forced to split with Neil, who distracts a group of monsters to allow Claire and Moira to escape. As they progress through the city, Claire and Moira find a little girl with a teddy bear and a bracelet, albeit a different one, of her own. The girl, Natalia Corda, survivor of the Terra incident, joins them and they reach the tower. As they approach it, Gabriel arrives in the now-working helicopter. However, the Overseer sabotages the controls, causing the helicopter to spin out of control, triggering Gabe's fear and mutation before it crashes into the ground, killing him. And in the confusion, Natalia goes missing. At the entrance of the tower, Claire finds a note directing them to the nearby factory. There, they solve several puzzles until the factory eventually explodes, dumping them in a waterway that leads to the tower. Inside the sewer system connected to the waterway, they find an old native to the island named Yevgeny Rebik. 
who, while refusing to help them, allows them to pass through the sewers. On the other end, they reach the tower, and inside they find an office with a list of TerraSave employees that Neil had at the party, now with several names crossed out. Moira then spots a feed of Neil on a monitor, and he is approached by an off-screen overseer. In their conversation, Neil is revealed to have been behind the TerraSave capture as he was personally chosen by Morgan Lansdale of the FBC to carry on his vision. He then worked with the Overseer to create a new terrorist threat to hopefully justify the reestablishment of the FBC. The Overseer chastises him for his foolishness and injects him with the virus. Claire and Moira find Neil just as he begins to mutate from the virus. He overpowers Claire and Moira is forced to grab her gun, something she had feared using since she accidentally shot her sister Polly with one of her father's guns as a child. Moira overcomes her fear and shoots Neil dead, saving Claire in the process. Meanwhile, the Overseer looks over Natalia, who she has strapped into a machine with some kind of mechanism on her head. The Overseer proclaims that in six months, the girl will awaken as her, revealing that the machine's purpose is to transport the Overseer's consciousness into the girl's body. Claire and Moira find the Overseer's office, including all of the controls and surveillance feeds for the island, and passing through, they eventually find the Overseer herself, separated from them by an impenetrable barrier. She gives a soliloquy, mentioning how her brother died, and now she will share his fate before being resurrected as a god. She then pulls out a pistol and shoots herself in the head, triggering a self-destruct of the tower. The two then begin to escape the crumbling tower, and Moira sacrifices herself to save Claire before being crushed under a pile of rubble, forcing Claire to leave her behind and jump into the waters outside the island. Claire is later found and taken to an intensive care unit. Moira's father, Barry Burton, arrives to ask Claire if Moira was with her. Claire apologizes to Barry, stating she did all she could, but Moira didn't make it. Sometime later, Moira is found and rescued by Evgeny. She asks him to help her find a way off the island, but he refuses, instead offering to give her shelter and teach her to hunt for food to fend for herself on the island. After six months, however, the monsters on the island become too unmanageable, leading to food going scarce. As they begin to stockpile food, Evgeny finds evidence that his daughter, Irina, was ejected with the virus and had since died on the island. This gives the old man some closure, and he locks himself away to die alone from a fatal disease he suffered from. Meanwhile, Natalia wakes up in a strange room. Escaping from the contraption, she encounters another version of herself, donned in dark clothing. Upset that she can't find her bear, Lottie, the dark version of Natalia offers to help her find him. After being led by her dark version through various places of the island, Natalia finds Lottie. However, Lottie is revealed to be fake, and the dark version of her reveals herself to be the Overseer's consciousness, using Lottie as a ruse to try to take over Natalia. The dark Natalia disappears, and Natalia finds herself on a beach, watching a boat arrive. The boat docks, and Barry Burton emerges, not giving up on finding his lost daughter. He finds Natalia and agrees to take her with him. Barry discovers that somehow Natalia is able to detect the mutants on the island, and the two use this ability to traverse it, finally killing the mutated Pedro Fernandez. They proceed to reach the tower, now abandoned, and inside they find a portrait of a man and woman. Barry immediately recognizes the man as Albert Wesker, and Natalia informs him that the woman is Alex Wesker, the sole surviving member of the project that created the Wesker children. 
Suddenly, Alex appears, now severely mutated, revealing that her suicide had not gone as planned. In the moments between firing the gun and the bullet piercing her brain, immense fear took over, triggering her T-phobus virus and allowing her to survive, albeit in a mutated form. She tells Barry that she has killed Moira before summoning several creatures to kill him. He is able to shoot the ceiling and collapse it onto Wesker and the monsters, allowing his and Natalia's escape. Believing he was unable to save his own daughter, Barry vows to protect Natalia from Alex. Soon they come across the sewers and find Evgeny's corpse inside of his room. There they also find Moira's cell phone with a message recorded for Barry while she was trapped under the rubble. Barry then vows to kill Wesker for what she had done to Moira. After the pair pass through a mine, however, Alex catches up with them and tosses Barry off of a cliff. She then expresses anger that her copied consciousness has not taken hold of Natalia yet, and begins to choke her. However, when Natalia opens her eyes, Alex sees something inside of them that causes her to flee in fear. A visibly changed Natalia then finds Barry, and begins to lead him through places she's never been herself. Eventually, the two reach Alex at her underground lair, and she injects herself with a massive dose of the Ouroboros virus, mutating into a giant, tentacled creature. The two fight, but Barry is unable to stop Alex from capturing Natalia. However, Moira appears, having found Barry's badge outside, and shoots Alex to give Barry a chance to grab Natalia and take her out of the facility. Alex gives chase, but in the nick of time, Claire arrives in a helicopter armed with a sniper rifle. Moira and Natalia board the helicopter, and Barry stays on the ground to take on Alex. Together, Claire and Barry weaken the mutated creature before Claire, mirroring her brother's destruction of Albert Wesker, shoots Alex with a rocket, destroying her once and for all. Barry survives the blast, and joins the group in the helicopter as they fly back home, leaving the BSAA to clean up the island. Barry then reveals his intention of adopting Natalia and raising her as one of his own. Not long after, Leon S. Kennedy is pulled from his vacation to sneak into the battlefield of a civil war occurring in the Eastern Slav Republic to investigate reports that BOWs are in use. However, just as soon as he arrives, he receives a call from his field support, Ingrid Hunnigan, informing him that the U.S. government has ordered an evacuation of all of their forces. Somewhat annoyed, but also determined to clear out any B.O.W. presence, Leon ignores the order and goes searching on his own. Leon eventually finds his CIA contact, but discovers him to be severely wounded. He is able to get out the word BEEKEEPER before a liquor B.O.W. attacks and finishes him off. Leon runs from the liquor, but is eventually trapped with the liquor about to kill him. However, it stops on command from a man who appears and captures him as he loses consciousness. When he awakens, Leon finds himself in a basement, being interrogated by members of the rebel forces, J.D., Alexander Koshichenko, known as Buddy, and Ivan Jadonovich, the group's Adaman. Soon, the group is discovered by the Eastern Slav army and are forced to escape, allowing Leon to break free. Adaman then falls sick and asks Buddy to kill him before he turns, which he reluctantly complies with. He then tells J.D. to go to a nearby church while he heads to the surface. Meanwhile, the president of the Eastern Slav Republic, Svetlana Belikova, meets with Ada Wong, who is posing as a representative from the BSAA. Ada presents the dominant species Plaga, and explains that a human infected with it will have a master-slave relationship with lesser BOWs, much like a queen bee and her workers. Elsewhere, Leon follows JD, and the pair are attacked by Plaga-infected zombies. This leads Leon to come to the conclusion that the rebels are using the dominant species of the Plaga parasites, which allow them to control the liquors, without knowing its side effect of turning them into mutated hosts for the parasite. 
J.D. leads Leon to the church and asks him to stop Buddy, who is seeking revenge after the Eastern Slav army bombed a school, killing his fiancée. Leon comes across Ada, initially blaming her for the release of the Plagas, which she stole seven years ago. She denies this, but does confirm that her current mission is to retrieve a new sample in Eastern Slav. She then leaves, warning Leon that the city will be bombed soon. Returning to the church, Leon finds it to have been attacked by Ganados, with JD the only survivor. Buddy arrives, much to JD's delight, but just as he does, JD begins to mutate, having been infected during the previous battle. Leon reluctantly shoots JD and turns to ask Buddy to give him the Plaga. Buddy refuses, seeing it as a necessary tool in the game of war, when suddenly the city is bombed, causing the ceiling of the church to collapse, allowing Buddy to run off. Meanwhile, Svetlana is informed that Ada is lying about being a part of the BSAA. When Ada arrives to speak to the president, she confronts her about her lie, prompting a hand-to-hand -hand battle between the two. When Ada tries to escape the room, the exits are shut, and the room is revealed to double as an elevator that begins to descend below ground. Leon arrives at the capital, finding it to be attacked by several liquors, indicating Buddy's arrival and use of the Plagas. Leon finds the elevator shaft and heads down. Meanwhile, Ada awakens, finding herself strung up in captivity. She's able to use a knife hidden in her heel to cut herself loose, and she escapes to find Leon inside of a beehive-like structure containing the first cultivated samples of the dominant species Plaga. Svetlana shows up, surrounded by her army, and Ada escapes in a smokescreen, leaving Leon to deal with the soldiers. Buddy then arrives with his attack lickers, who take out the soldiers. Svetlana then taunts Buddy behind bulletproof glass before she releases her ace in the hole, two tyrants. She then ascends in another elevator, leaving Leon and Buddy to fight the tyrants. Now, forced to team up, the pair attempt to battle the tyrants, but are overpowered and forced to flee. They seemingly find freedom when they enter a freight elevator, but the tyrants stop it, forcing the pair to climb through the hatch in the car. The weight of the tyrants then causes the elevator to fall into the abyss as Buddy jumps up to Leon, who catches him, allowing the two to climb up a ladder to the surface. Outside, the two men are met by another tyrant, which they are forced to battle. Buddy commandeers a nearby tank and drives it into the tyrant, and Leon mans its cannon. Unable to get a steady shot, Buddy controls a liquor to distract the monster, allowing Leon to shoot its face, decapitating and destroying it. Their victory is short-lived, however, as the two tyrants from the basement arrive. Leon helps Buddy escape, knowing he's the only one that can reveal Svetlana's cultivation of the Plagas. Having run out of ammunition, Leon then prepares to take on the tyrants hand-to-hand, -hand, before they are swiftly lit up by the U.S. Air Force fighters arriving to protect Leon. Afterwards, Svetlana gives a press conference blaming the rebels for the events in the city, but she is quickly informed that they are being attacked by both the United States and Russian military forces, intervening in the civil war and occupying the region, leading to Svetlana's resignation. Elsewhere, Buddy and Leon watch the U.S.-Russian forces march on the capital, and they both feel used by the political machine. Knowing the Plaga will overtake him, Buddy asks Leon to kill him before turning the gun on himself. Leon stops him, telling him that he owes it to those that died to live on, even if it means losing the use of his limbs. He then shoots Buddy in the spinal cord, killing the Plaga attached to it, allowing him to live. Afterwards, Leon speaks with Hunnigan, who insists that the U.S. knew nothing about the Plaga situation, while Leon remains with doubts. 
Ada then calls her employer, not sure whether to hand over the Plaga, even after her potential buyer offers to wipe out an international warrant for her arrest. After the dust settles in the city, Buddy returns to his former life as a schoolteacher, confined to a wheelchair, but finally content. The next year, Chris and Piers are informed by BSAA Far East agent Mara Biji that their mutual friend and BSAA advisor, Professor Doug Wright, has gone missing. The two learn that he had gone with his nephew to the Marhawa School in Asia, and the BSAA visit it. There, they find the school to already have fallen victim to an outbreak, but they find one survivor, Professor Wright's nephew, Ricky Tozawa. They go to save the professor, but find that he's already turned into a zombie. Mara believes the perpetrator of the outbreak to be student Bindi Bergana. Bindi, who was given a strain of a new virus by a mysterious woman, called the chrysalid or C-virus, had been infected with it and mutated since the beginning of the attack. Mara disobeys a direct order from Chris and goes off to fight and ultimately defeat the student. However, she mutates once again and catches up to the group attempting to leave by helicopter. They fight once more and Piers kills her. The cleaners arrive and wipe out what remains of the virus in the area, but the mysterious woman and her motives stay hidden from the BSAA, at least for now. Meanwhile, after the C-Virus outbreak, Umbrella Corps, a subsidiary of the now-restructured Umbrella Corporation, recreated as an anti-BOW military force and known colloquially as Blue Umbrella to differentiate itself from its pharmaceutical beginnings, begins combat testing for one of their agents, codenamed 3A7, led by employee Abraham Jackson. Eventually, Jackson goes missing, and the trials are instead led by Beatrice Bertrand, who, despite constantly setting him up for failure, is continuously impressed by 3A7's performance. Because he survives these trials, Bertrand is fired and 3A7 is replaced, leaving Umbrella and becoming feared by its remaining researchers. One month later, Chris and Piers are again on a mission with the BSAA, leading Alpha Team in Edonia, an Eastern European state that has erupted in civil war, using the C-virus infected, called Juavo, as weapons. Elsewhere in Edonia, mercenary Jake Muller is working for the Rebels. He injects himself with a supplement that's supposed to increase his performance, but doesn't seem to be doing anything for him. Sherry Birkin, now a U.S. agent, arrives and informs Jake that the supplement is actually the C-Virus, developed and distributed by a new terrorist group going by the name Neo-Umbrella. Believing Jake has the antibodies for the virus, and in turn would be the key to a cure, Sherry makes a deal with Jake to pay $50 million for his assistance. During their escape from the village, Neo-Umbrella sends a tyrant-like hunter called the Ustanak to chase the two. Sherry and Jake eventually meet up with Chris, who recognizes Sherry and introduces himself as Claire's brother. Soon after, Neo Umbrella releases a giant B.O.W., which Alpha Team helps defeat. Afterwards, Chris provides a BSAA helicopter to take Sherry and Jake to safety. Their escape is short-lived, however, as their helicopter is attacked by the Ustanak, still pursuing Jake. The monster eventually causes the helicopter to crash, and Sherry and Jake eject and fall to the snowy mountainside beneath them. Meanwhile, Chris, Piers, and the BSAA find a woman who introduces herself as Ada Wong, telling them that she was being held hostage by Neo Umbrella and fills Chris in about the C-Virus. Chris assigns a soldier, Finn, to escort Ada, and they lead her to safety. This turns out to be a trap, however, and Ada throws a C-Virus-infused bomb at Alpha Team, infecting all of them, turning them into mutated cocoons, save for Chris and Piers. The cocoons hatch, and one of the monsters inside attacks Chris, causing him to hit his head, concussing him and making him lose conscious as Piers drags him to safety. 
At a nearby hospital, Chris awakens with no memory of who he is or what has happened, and he secretly leaves the hospital. On the snowy mountain, Jake awakens to find Sherry impaled by a piece of the helicopter. She tells him to pull it out, and when he does, he notices her wound heals miraculously quickly due to the G-Virus still in her blood. The two find a cottage to take refuge, and Sherry confides in Jake by telling her about her father's actions in Raccoon City, as well as her rescue thanks to Leon and Claire that drove her to follow in their footsteps. The two bond over their respective burdens before they're interrupted by a group of Neo Umbrella that attack the cottage. They're able to escape the assault, but are soon met with the Ustanak once again. They duck the creature temporarily, but when they reach the Adonian border, they are met with more opposition, and their giant stalker appears again and knocks out Sherry. The mysterious woman who gave Jake's squad the C-Virus, the supposed Ada Wong, appears and tells Jake about Albert Wesker's failure to destroy the world, before revealing that Wesker was in truth Jake's father, passing on his enhanced and invulnerable blood. The Ustanak then knocks out Jake, and he and Sherry are captured and taken away. Six months later, Ada Wong receives a call from the U.S. National Security Advisor Derek C. Simmons, who claims to have intel on her that would be very crucial to her future. Following his instructions, she finds a submarine and is able to get on board using a security system that, curiously, already has her fingerprints on file. Inside, she finds a film from Simmons instructing her to capture Jake so as not to allow a C-virus vaccine to be produced from his blood. Ada's surprised to find that the orders were from six months ago, and she never received them, leading her to wonder if someone else carried them out in her stead. An explosion occurs on the ship, and Ada is forced to abandon the submarine. During this escape, she receives another transmission from Simmons, who tells her that tomorrow the U.S. will suffer a bioterrorist attack, then China, then the rest of the world, and the attacks will be at the hands of Neo Umbrella's leader, Ada Wong. Confused by her findings, Ada refuses to be Simmons' scapegoat and enters a torpedo, escaping the submarine. The next day, Simmons' warning comes true, and the city of Tall Oaks is attacked while the President of the United States, Adam Benford, was at a local Ivy University giving a speech in which he planned to finally reveal the true nature of the Raccoon City incident to the public. However, the president is infected, and Leon S. Kennedy and Secret Service agent Helena Harper are forced to shoot him, putting the president out of his misery. Afterwards, they receive a call from Hunnigan, who they update with the situation before being ordered to leave. They decide to check out the cathedral first instead, as Helena reveals that she is somehow responsible for the outbreak, but will only reveal the truth if Leon helps her reach the cathedral. The pair find some survivors, they escape the town in a bus, and head toward the cathedral. On the way, Hunnigan calls once again to inform them that Neo Umbrella has taken credit for the attack. She then asks what's at the cathedral, as Simmons is starting to breathe down her neck for information. Just then, the bus is forced to swerve to avoid a zombie in the road, and Leon and Helena are forced to continue on foot to the cathedral. Meanwhile, Ada watches from nearby and follows the two. There, they find the entrance to an underground laboratory with various human experiments in a cocoon-like form. Leon also finds a tape labeled, Happy Birthday, Ada Wong, which seemingly shows Ada being birthed from one of the cocoons at some unknown period in time. The two make their way through the lab and find Helena's secret, her sister, Deborah. She asks Leon to help her get her sister out to safety before she reveals the truth, and he agrees as the three head out. After some traversal, however, Deborah starts to scream out in pain and bursts into flames, transforming into one of the cocoons. 
Shortly after, she emerges but is shot by a nearby Ada. Helena goes to apologize to Deborah, but she awakens as a mutated creature that begins to fight the three. During the battle, Ada gives Leon a ring, which she claims will make sense later. They are able to defeat the creature in battle, and Helena, realizing her sister is now gone, allows her to fall to her death. She then reveals that Simmons had kidnapped her sister, threatening to murder her if Helena didn't assist his plot to assassinate the president. Ada leaves the two, and they receive a call from Hunnigan. However, before they are able to warn her about Simmons, he intercepts their call. He then frames them for the president's death, commanding them to come turn themselves into him. Meanwhile, Ada finds the lab containing the Happy Birthday Ada Wong tape, and she watches it herself, recognizing this as the creation of some kind of doppelganger of herself. Afterwards, she is called by Simmons once again, who she realizes has actually been the fake Ada the whole time, disguising her voice to impersonate him. The real Ada realizes that Simmons, and the secret society he belongs to, known as the Family, would never risk exposing themselves and the potential destabilization of global politics, so she surmises that this fake Ada must be running Neo Umbrella with the sole purpose of destroying it. The fake Ada confirms this, noting that when she does so, the world will place the blame on Ada Wong. The real Ada then calls the real Simmons, informing him that her doppelganger is in fact working against him. She then heads off to find the woman as she blows up the lab behind her. Leon and Helena make their way out of the catacombs, now both agreeing to work together to bring Simmons to justice. Outside, they witness Tall Oaks being destroyed by a missile strike, eliminating all evidence in an act all too similar to Raccoon City's fate years prior. They receive a call from Hunnigan, who informs them that Simmons is on his private jet en route to China, where another C-Virus attack is underway. Knowing that Leon and Helena are on the top of the list of suspects for the president's death, Hunnigan helps them fake their own deaths, and the pair decide to go to China to follow Simmons. Back in Europe, Chris, still without his memories, has become an angry drunk, frequenting a bar where he's not exactly welcome. Pierce finds him after months of searching and confronts him, but Chris has no recollection of his partner. As Pierce gives him a pep talk, the bar patrons reveal themselves to be fellow BSAA, and they take Chris back. Realizing this is the only way he can get his life and memory back, Chris takes his place back in the BSAA and joins Pierce to lead Alpha Team into China. Elsewhere, Claire Redfield drives to go visit Barry Burton and receives a call that her brother, Chris, is on his way to China to deal with a new bioterrorist attack, and she tells the person on the other end of the line to have Piers look after him. At the Burton household, Barry witnesses some news of the C-Virus attacks on the television. Upstairs, Natalia, now fully overcome by Alex Wesker's consciousness, begins to recite poetry, ending her passage with a crooked smile. In China... Chris, Pierce, and Alpha Team execute a rescue mission and successfully escort a group of hostages from a BOW-riddled building. Afterwards, they escape the building and Chris sees a cocooned human triggering his memories of the events six months prior. Elsewhere in China, Jake and Sherry have been undergoing daily tests in a Neo-Umbrella research facility since their abduction six months prior. Jake is able to escape from his guards and shut down power to the facility, allowing Sherry's escape as well. The two reunite and get in contact with the U.S. government and learn that Sherry's superiors are in China as well. The two then find a motorcycle and use it to escape the facility to rendezvous. Chris and Pierce come across Jake and Sherry and help them take down a pursuing helicopter before heading off to search for Ada at a nearby research facility. 
Jake and Sherry also head out and soon witness the crash landing of an American airplane. They rush it to find the plane's only two survivors, Leon and Helena. Sherry and Leon reunite and he reveals that Simmons is behind the attacks. Sherry, who reveals that Simmons is her direct superior, is surprised by this information. But before the conversation can go any further, the Ustinak attacks and the four are forced to battle it. They are able to drop a tower on the Ustinak to incapacitate it, but the tower separates the two groups. Sherry reveals Simmons' location to Leon and they agree to meet there. Leon and Helena reach the facility and witness the Ada Wong decoy walking inside. They follow her inside and to their surprise find Chris and Pierce. Leon stops Chris from shooting her, arguing that Simmons is the true mastermind behind it all. This delay gives Ada the chance to drop a smoke grenade and escape with a briefcase. Chris leaves to capture Ada while Leon and Helena head off to find Simmons. Meanwhile, on their way to meet with Leon and Helena at Simmons' location, Jake and Sherry are cornered by a Juava wielding a chainsaw before they are saved by the nearby real Ada Wong, who is still searching for her imposter as well. Sherry, Jake, Leon, and Helena finally regroup at Simmons' location, and he admits his hand in the outbreaks, but justifies that it's for the good of the country and the world. Sherry hands Leon a data chip with research data from the lab they were at, which could potentially stop the C-virus. Leon and Helena then provide cover for Jake and Sherry to run to safety. As they leave, however, they are ambushed by a Juavo and captured once again. Meanwhile, Leon and Helena continue their standoff with Simmons. As he turns to leave, he is ambushed by a Juavo as well, who shoots him with a vial, injecting him with the virus which he believes is the work of the Ada doppelganger. Simmons runs off and falls onto a nearby moving train, which Helena and Leon are able to jump onto at the last second. On top of the train, Simmons receives a call from his former partner, the Ada Imposter, who admits that she turned him into a monster just as he did to her, before threatening that soon the whole world would suffer the same fate. Helena and Leon catch up to Simmons, who reveals that his killing of the president was to prevent the world from learning the truth about Raccoon City, which he believes would have caused the political order to collapse. He then mutates from the virus, forcing Leon and his partner to fight, and ultimately defeat him before the train derails and they are forced to jump into a nearby ocean. Elsewhere, Chris and Pierce have chased the fake Ada to an aircraft carrier that has been taken over by Neo Umbrella. They finally corner her on the bridge of the ship, where she reveals she has created a missile containing a massive amount of the C-Virus, threatening an event like Raccoon City, but on a global scale. Just after this revelation, however, a helicopter flies up containing a sniper working for the Family Secret Society who shoots the fake Ada and she falls to her apparent death. Pierce opens the briefcase she took from the facility and finds an enhanced strain of the virus. He and Chris then head to try to disarm the missile. Meanwhile, the real Ada Wong infiltrates the ship and finds evidence revealing the creation of her doppelganger. As it turns out, Simmons' hatred of Ada due to her insubordination led him to want to create his own replica of her that would follow his orders. He then created a strain of the C-Virus, fused with Ada's DNA, and injected it into a scientist named Carla Rodimace. However, this plan ultimately failed when Carla's consciousness slowly began to reawaken in her new physical form. Ada finds Carla's dead body on the deck of the ship, and Ada laments the poor woman's plight. However, Carla suddenly reawakens, mutated by the virus, and attacks Ada. After a battle spanning the entire ship, Ada is able to finally kill Carla before she finds a helicopter to escape and investigate a tower she found evidence of in Simmons' files. On the ship, Chris and Pierce try to stop the missile's launch, but ultimately fail as it heads towards the city. 
Leon calls Chris, who frantically tells the former to leave immediately as the missile explodes over China, immediately enveloping the city with the C-virus gas and infecting almost all of its inhabitants practically immediately. Leon then sends Chris to Neil Umbrella's underwater research facility to recover Sherry and Jake, who he reveals is Wesker's son. Chris then tells Leon that Ada is dead, which visibly upsets Leon, who is still unaware of the doppelganger situation. Leon and Helena fight through the infected city, aided by Ada in the helicopter, much to Leon's confusion. Eventually, the pair reach the quad tower where they find an also still alive Simmons. Ada arrives in the helicopter and Simmons believes her to be Carla, ordering her to use Jake's blood to make the virus stronger before he mutates once again into a T-Rex-like creature. The three fight and defeat him one more time before Ada heads up to the roof where Leon and Helena follow. On their way up, Ada is incapacitated by Simmons, and Leon rushes to protect her from an advancing Simmons. She awakens, and Simmons eventually knocks Leon off a ledge, but Ada returns the favor and saves him before dropping Simmons below as she swings away. Shortly after, Leon spots Ada, who calls him and tells him about a gift she left him on the roof before parting ways with him one last time. Helena tells Leon to go after her, but he refuses, opting to stick with Helena instead. On the roof, Simmons absorbs the bodies of various infected around him and uses them to enhance his power. Now running from a giant mutated B.O.W., Leon and Helena reach the helicopter with the present Ada left behind, yet another rocket launcher to defeat Leon's foe. He uses it once more and Simmons is finally killed, falling to his death, being impaled by a structure in the center of the tower, filling the Umbrella logo beneath with his own blood, one final omen of Neo Umbrella. Also in the helicopter, the two find a makeup case with a data disk inside containing all of the evidence incriminating Simmons in the C-Virus attacks, which would furthermore prove their innocence. They then escape the city in the helicopter left by Ada. Afterwards, Ada is able to enter the laboratory in the quad tower where she finds all of Carla's research, including her greatest work, an unhatched cocoon inside a glass chamber. Now, knowing that Carla was no innocent, Ada no longer feels any sympathy for her and sets her lab, including the cocoon, ablaze, destroying everything. She then receives a phone call offering her her next job. She smiles and accepts. Meanwhile, Chris and Pierce make their way to Neo Umbrella's underground research facility. And once they arrive, Chris reveals his intentions of retiring from the BSAA after this mission, passing the torch on to Pierce. The pair find the controls to release Jake and Sherry, and the four eventually reunite. During their ensuing conversation, Jake sarcastically thanks Chris, a trait the latter proclaims reminds him of his father, Albert Wesker. He then reveals to Jake that he was the one that killed Wesker. Angered at this revelation, Jake pulls a gun on Chris, who tells Jake that he can shoot him if he wishes, but he only asks that Jake survive to save the world with his blood in return. Jake ultimately decides not to shoot his father's killer, instead realizing the gravity of the situation at hand. As the four attempt to leave the facility, the main experiment held inside, House, a gigantic B.O.W. designed to destroy the entire planet, awakens, and Chris tells Jake and Sherry to escape while he and Pierce fight the creature. Jake and Sherry run off while Pierce and Chris lead the creature to a chamber to fight it. The two fail in the battle, however, with Pierce mortally wounded and Chris captured by it. In order to save his commanding officer, Pierce injects himself with the enhanced C-virus strain he took from Carla, and using the enhanced strength given to him by it, 
defeats the monster, and saves Chris. The pair then attempt to escape the facility, with Chris promising to get Pierce to safety where they can find the cure. Meanwhile, as Jake and Sherry attempt their escape, they are once again attacked by the Ustanak. Jake is able to punch the creature into a pit of magma, and the pair find a hyperspeed tram that they use to leave. However, in a fiery eruption behind them, the Ustanak pursues them once again. However, with its weak spot now exposed, Jake and Sherry help each other aim a gun to shoot it and finally kill it, allowing the two to escape safely. As Chris opens the door to an escape pod, Pierce pushes him in and closes the door. Knowing that it's too late for him, Pierce launches Chris's pod with only him inside, opting to die with the destruction of the facility. As Chris's pod shoots towards the surface, the chaos arrives once again, but in his final moment, Pierce shoots a giant blast of electricity, finally killing the monster. On the surface, a helicopter arrives to extract Chris, who now carries a revived sense of purpose, and returns to command in the BSAA. Afterwards, Sherry flies back to the U.S., having given Jake's blood sample to the United Nations' top researchers. Jake's relationship to Wesker is kept highly classified, and his blood is used to create a vaccine for the C-Virus, which helps to contain the outbreak. Sherry receives a message from Jake, who jokingly lowers his asking price to $50 before driving off on a motorcycle. Later, Helena visits her sister's grave, and Leon and Hunnigan arrive to speak with her. Helena turns herself in for her hand in helping Simmons, but Hunnigan reveals that given the evidence and the extortion, Helena cannot be held responsible. Her actions are kept classified, and her freedom is granted. Helena then tosses Ada's makeup case to Leon, so he can return it to her the next time the two meet. Sometime later, Jake is in a small village in an unspecified location, seemingly back to his mercenary ways. He then proceeds to protect a young boy, asking for only an apple in return. The next year, Terra Save sends Claire Redfield to investigate the island of Sonido de Tortuga, the filming location of the Idol Survival Japanese reality show, which was attacked by Infected. Through her investigation, Claire discovers that the former U.S. military base on the island was purchased by Oswell E. Spencer nearly 20 years ago. Claire and her team find the survivors of the Idol Survival show, and they take them to a safe location on the island, an abandoned facility. There, Claire discovers that the island was the location of Alex Wesker's initial research into immortality for Spencer. Claire finds Dirk Miller, the creator of the B.O.W.s on the island, as well as an associate of Alex's, and Claire goes to apprehend him. However, one of the survivors from the Idol show, Zeely, reveals herself to be a double agent from one of Umbrella's competitors, Shen Ya Pharmaceutical. She obtains a final strain of a virus created by Miller before knocking Claire unconscious. A few hours later, Claire awakens as Zeely infects herself with the virus. Claire is able to destroy the mutation with a rocket launcher and escape the island with BSAA extraction, reporting her findings to her brother Chris. In October of that year, Mia Winters, researcher for an international crime syndicate called The Connections, is on the cargo ship Annabelle, transporting a mutated human weapon known as E-001, the first of the E-type bioweapon project. However, a hurricane hits the ship, and the weapon, known as Evelyn, who was artificially aged to resemble a 10-year-old child to help with infiltration, begins to lose stability. Evelyn begins to infect the crew of the ship, transforming them into hosts for Evelyn's fungal mold, which allows her to control others' minds. Evelyn begins to refer to Mia as her mom, and Mia tries to calm the girl before she is herself infected with the mold. 
She then rushes to send an emergency message to her husband back home, Ethan, telling him to forget her and live his life before the hurricane and the destruction of the ship causes her to be thrown into the surrounding waters. As the hurricane settles, Jack Baker rescues Mia and Evelyn, bringing them to his house in Delvey, Louisiana. His family, consisting of wife Marguerite, son Lucas, and daughter Zoe, begin to take care of the rescuees, until Evelyn awakens and tells Zoe, they're mine now, before the power goes out in the house. Zoe then finds her family going insane under Evelyn's influence. She avoids them, escaping outside to a trailer in the backyard where she finds Mia passed out with a note nearby warning them about Evelyn and her power, but stating that there's a cure in the form of a serum. When she turns around, she is greeted by Evelyn, who refers to her as sister. The next day, Zoe awakens at the dining table, with her family seeming normal. Her hopes are short-lived, however, as Evelyn appears once again, greeting her new sister once more. Zoe then begins to spend her days avoiding her infected family while searching for the cure Mia mentioned in her note. At some unspecified time, in an unknown location in Japan, two nurses, Ebihara and Abe, enter a mansion to escape an outbreak. Inside, they find several uninfected men and women unconscious. Suddenly, they all awaken simultaneously, causing the two to rush away to hide. The survivors who awaken quickly discover that they have no recollection of how they got there, nor do they recognize each other. When they open the door to try to escape, the nurses rush out to incapacitate a zombie that enters the mansion. The nurses then inform the survivors about the outbreak. The nurses then claim that they were sent by men who kidnapped them to check on the unconscious survivors, but are met with much skepticism by the group. They soon agree that they must work together to get out, however, and they begin to search for an escape. Ebihara then remembers something the leader of the kidnapper said about only the chosen ones surviving and making it to the next round, triggering a panic among the group who now believe they are part of some sick game or experiment. One of the members of the group, an army ranger named Juno, confirms their suspicion and reveals he had heard of selection tests like the one they are seemingly in. He then takes charge, and the group finally introduce themselves. Juno chooses to split the group into teams led by him, a doctor named Karasawa, and a journalist named Zama. Juno's team includes Terayama, an unemployed traveler, Doi, a soccer coach, and Okunuchi, a human rights lawyer. Zama's team includes Bandao, a housewife, Suzuki, a tutor, and Ando, a bank teller. Karasawa's team then includes Ebihara, Abe, and a quality inspector named Inhara. They then split up and search for anything to help them learn more about their situation as well as escape. Later, the groups reconvene in the main hall with their discoveries, some food, water, medicine, and a box of weapons. The group then argue over whether or not they should use the weapons. Of them, only Gino and Bandao have been trained in firearms use. During their argument, Doi notices an injection mark on his arm, prompting the others to check and notice they have been injected as well. Suddenly, Suzuki remembers that he saw another man before the rest of them woke up who left through the front door, then never came back. Just then, there's a knock at the door, and they open it. The man Suzuki saw rushes in with a chainsaw, and he reveals that he also was knocked out with no memory of how he got there, but he woke up first and left before being met with the zombie opposition outside. The group begins to treat his wounds, and he introduces himself as Hashimoto, an economics professor at the nearby university, and joins Karasawa's team. Now knowing what they face, Juno agrees to allow everyone to take a weapon, but urges caution to not hurt each other. The team splits up again, agreeing to meet after a half an hour with any new discoveries. 
Jino leaves his team behind to scout ahead, and Doi begins to express his interests in the zombies, believing that immortality and the advancement of the human species could potentially be achieved with their research from the zombies. He believes that the building they are in is a zombie research facility, and expresses his excitement in the possibility. He also reveals that he lied about being a soccer coach, believing everyone else had lied about their occupations as well. Gino arrives soon after and takes the group with him. Bandao and Zama also get split from their group momentarily, and Zama expresses his doubts that Bandao is who she says she is, believing her to be with the FBI, which she quickly dismisses. The rest of their group catches up, and they continue on. Elsewhere, Ebihara notices she got a message on her phone. Confused, they read the message, finding that it is from Umbrella and explains the various herbs they found. Abe becomes suspicious that only Ebihara received a message and that it is from Umbrella, but they quickly drop it and move on. On the other side of the mansion, Zama comes to the conclusion that they must be subjects in a test to gather data on the zombies, which will be used as BOWs. Like the other groups, they then continue on. As Karasawa's group traverses, he notices Ebihara drinking some of the medicine they found. He confronts her, and she reveals that she was bitten by a zombie and is extremely fearful of becoming like them. Later, Hashimoto begins to show symptoms of the virus taking hold. Ebihara offers up the herb to treat him, and Abe confronts her again to tell her why she knows so much about the herb. Karasawa speaks up and reveals that Ebihara was bitten by a zombie, and that's why she knows of the herb's healing nature. Just then, Hashimoto turns into a zombie and grabs his chainsaw. When he begins to swing it at the group, Ihara pulls his weapon, but stumbles, allowing Hashimoto to overpower him and take him down with the chainsaw. Karasawa then shoots the zombie, putting him down. Afterwards, the group leaves, and Karasawa awakens once more, grabbing his chainsaw. Ihara also awakens and leaves the room. Meanwhile, Ando and Suzuki decide to leave the mansion on their own. However, when they go outside, they are met by Hashimoto wielding his chainsaw. Ihara also arrives with a group of other zombies, and they kill the two survivors. The survivors regroup in the main hall and fill each other in on the team members they lost. They begin to discuss the virus responsible for the zombies and propose that the facility they're in is to test to see if the survivors contain antibodies, making them immune to the virus. Okonuchi begins to show signs of infection, and the group argue over what to do with him. Jino and Karasawa then take him aside and put him out of his misery. The groups then move on, but Doi stays behind, wanting to become a zombie. Okonuchi, now turned into a zombie, then arrives and bites Doi, infecting him immediately. Outside, Jino, Karasawa, and Zama clear out a group of zombies and find Ahara, who they finally kill. Elsewhere, Ebihara continues to take the medication, and when Abe asks her what it is, Ebi taunts her, telling her that eventually Abe will turn into a zombie. Hashimoto then attacks Jino, but he is rescued by an arriving Bandao who shoots the zombie down. Karasawa and Jino find a key hanging from the ceiling and take Bandao to shoot it down. Zama stops them, revealing that he is infected as well. The three take Ebihara with them, leaving Zama behind with an also infected Terayama. The two then take their guns and shoot each other before they can turn. Bandao shoots down the key and Karasawa retrieves it. They try it on the door in the front, but find that it also requires a password. They ask Ebihara to think about anything she might have seen as a clue, but she then reveals that she knows the password and that she's impressed by the fact that three survivors have made it to this point in the test. 
Ebihara herself is the key to the last door, but reveals that she can only open it when there is one sole, most powerful survivor to take back to her boss. She then prompts them to fight to the death. Bandao refuses and pulls her gun on Ebihara. Jino does not allow her to shoot and stabs her in the back, killing her before turning his sights on Karasawa. Ebihara commands Jino to drop his weapons and fight Karasawa hand to hand, and he agrees. He then reveals to Karasawa that he knew about the plan from the very beginning, as it was a military experiment he was chosen to participate in. The two proceed to fight as Ebihara watches on. Surprisingly, Karasawa overpowers Jino, who grabs his knife out of desperation. He goes to stab Karasawa with it, but he is able to avoid the attack, making Jino stab himself with the knife before he takes it to slice Jino's throat, killing him. Ebihara applauds Karasawa and reveals that he was injected with the T-virus from the very start, and the purpose of the experiment was not to create a vaccine, but to create a tyrant. She then opens the door, and afterwards, Karasawa strangles her to death. Karasawa then closes the door, locking himself inside the facility. Bandao then stands up, seemingly uninjured. She reveals herself to being involved in the experiment and informs Karasawa of his new abilities as a tyrant. She then reveals that she works for a private company that creates the tyrants and provides them to militaries across the world, with Karasawa just being the latest of the crop. He then picks up a nearby gun and shoots her to put an end to this production. He then puts the gun up to his own head, but is stopped by a mysterious man who enters through the locked door. He offers Karasawa to come with him to rule over the lesser humans, but he refuses to become a mindless weapon. He then puts the gun back to his own head and pulls the trigger. Sometime later, Chris Redfield is sent with the Mexican army to track down and arrest a bioweapon arms dealer named Glenn Arias, as well as rescue BSA agent Kathy White and her son Zach, who were taken hostage by Arias. They find a mansion and split up into groups. One group finds Zach, who is infected, and takes out the group. Chris is the only one to escape the building alive, and finds Arias outside. Arius reveals that he has designed a new virus whose victims can distinguish between friend and foe. He then brings forth his enhanced bodyguards, Maria and Diego Gomez, who present an infected Kathy. Arius then leaves as Chris is surrounded by a swarm of zombies that an army helicopter protects him from. Four months later, Rebecca Chambers is working at a university to create a vaccine for a new viral outbreak that is growing around the Great Lakes. She sends her assistant, Aaron, to retrieve a sample, and as he leaves, she notices one of her vaccine experiments is reporting a success. Aaron notices an open vent, but when he inspects it, Maria appears and kills him. The power in the lab goes out, and Maria releases a gas through the ventilation system, infecting everyone in the facility. Rebecca is able to reach the vaccine she recently synthesized and injects herself, successfully preventing her infection. She takes the vaccine data on a flash drive, then goes to leave, but is attacked by Aaron, who she is forced to kill with a fire extinguisher. She takes cover in her lab, but Maria throws a grenade in the office, breaking the windows and allowing zombies to enter and attack. At the last second, however, Rebecca is saved by an arriving Chris Redfield. Later in a hotel room, Chris and Rebecca discuss Arius, and Chris surmises that Maria's presence in the lab indicates that the virus will be modified to affect the vaccine's usage. Rebecca then reveals that the virus's genome resembles the Plagas used by Los Illuminados, prompting her and Chris to seek out Leon, who has a history with that particular virus. They find Leon in Colorado, drowning his sorrows in a bottle after losing his team in Washington, D.C. in a bombing he was unable to prevent. Leon refuses to join in their fight, prompting an argument between he and Chris. 
To break up the argument, Rebecca reveals that she believes that Arius's virus has actually infected people all across the United States, but is lying dormant until he activates it using an unknown trigger. Arius surveils the restaurant from afar and orders Maria to apprehend Rebecca. Later, when Rebecca uses the bathroom, she is surprised by Maria and captured. Inside the restaurant, Patricio, the man who Leon blames for the death of his unit, arrives and tells Leon that his wife and daughter have been taken hostage by the remaining members of Los Illuminados, who are working to help an arms dealer create a bioweapon to attack the U.S., and pleads that Leon help. Leon refuses, but soon after, Arius's men arrive, with Diego arming a Gatling gun and firing on the restaurant. Patricio hands his phone off to Leon before bleeding out. Chris then sees Maria making off with Rebecca, and the crew leave. Later, Rebecca wakes up, now wearing a wedding dress. Arius arrives and reveals that he is recreating his wedding day, which was interrupted by a drone strike by the U.S., which he was the sole survivor of. He has reanimated the remains of his family and friends, which he was forced to watch die at the hands of the United States, fueling his vengeance. He reveals that the virus he has created is called the Animality, or A-Virus, and it consists of three strains, one to infect, one to activate, and one to vaccinate. He then notes Rebecca's resemblance to his late wife, hoping to have Rebecca take her place. She refuses, angering Arius and having her sent to his lab to infect her with the virus and replace her arm with his wife's, the only remains of her. Meanwhile, Leon and Chris inspect data from Patricio's phone and discover that Arius had used the Agua brand of drinking water to spread the virus in New York, and plans to trigger it soon. They also learn of the vaccine strain that can effectively turn off the virus in infected individuals. Arius then triggers the virus, sending Agua trucks across New York which expel a gas, infecting the city at large. Leon, Chris, and their army help split up and take out the trucks. They are able to destroy them all, and Maria is caught up in one of the blasts. Chris and Leon make their way to Arius's lab, and Chris is able to rescue Rebecca after a short fight with Diego. Chris takes Rebecca to the roof of the building, where he is attacked by Arius. After a short fight, Chris is able to throw Arius down a shaft of the building, where he nearly dies upon impact. However, Diego comes upon him and absorbs his body, mutating into a large creature containing both of their heads. The now-mutated Arius makes his way to the roof once more, and Leon distracts him so Chris can search for the vaccine. Arius jumps to a nearby helicopter, and Leon drives a motorcycle towards him, jumping off as it flies into him, exploding on impact and weakening him. Chris then arrives and launches a grenade into Arius's heart, finally killing the creature. He then cures Rebecca, and the group release the vaccine above the city, curing the inhabitants and ending the outbreak. Later, Maria, having survived the previous explosion, finds Diego's dead body and looks on in a silent rage. In June of 2017, a television crew travels to Dolby, Louisiana to investigate a supposedly haunted house. Inside, the crew are attacked by the Baker family, with cameraman Clancy Jarvis taken captive and the other two killed. Clancy is then toyed with by the family. He almost escapes Marguerite's captivity by outsmarting her, but is knocked unconscious by Lucas, who begins to force him to play demented games, including a game of 21, where he's forced to indirectly cause the death of a fellow captive, Hoffman. Clancy's final game came as part of a birthday celebration, where he is lit on fire and burned to death. Shortly after, Ethan Winters arrives in Dulvey, having tracked his wife Mia's movements there after receiving a panicked message from her, followed by her disappearance for over three years. He finds a house and underneath discovers Mia, still alive and seemingly well, 
However, this doesn't last long, and she suddenly turns violent and attacks him, forcing Ethan to kill his wife. Shortly after, he receives a call from Zoe Baker, who offers to help and tells him to escape through the attic. On his way, however, he is attacked again by a revived Mia, who cuts off his hand before walking off. In the attic, he is attacked by Mia once again, who he is able to defeat once more. He is unable to leave, however, as Jack Baker then attacks and captures Ethan. When he awakens, now with his hand reattached, he is welcomed into the family by the Bakers, now joined by a catatonic elderly woman. Ethan is able to escape from his restraints, but is chased around the house by Jack. A deputy arrives to investigate the house, but is killed by Jack shortly after, who Ethan is then forced to fight one-on-one. Ethan wins, with Jack surprisingly delivering the final gunshot to himself. Jack's death is short-lived, however, as Ethan is attacked by him very shortly after, witnessing his wounds healing and regenerating. Ethan slips away from Jack and fights his way through several creatures created from Evelyn's mold in the basement. Eventually, Ethan has a second showdown with Jack, obtaining a key he needs to escape the house. In the backyard, Ethan speaks to Zoe and learns that Mia is alive, but that they would need to create a serum to cure both women of their infection before they could leave. Ethan then heads off to find the ingredients for the serum, killing Marguerite in the process. He then learns that Lucas has captured the two women and is holding them hostage. Ethan is forced to play the same game that met Clancy with his death, but is able to outsmart Lucas and escape alive, forcing the Baker's son to flee. Ethan then finds Mia and Zoe, who creates two doses of the serum with the ingredients Ethan provides. However, suddenly Jack appears once more, now heavily mutated. Ethan is forced to inject Jack with one of the doses of the serum, which, in his weakened state, allows his body to finally die. Outside, Ethan must decide which woman to cure with the remaining serum. Naturally, he chooses to cure his wife, Mia, but promises to send help for Zoe before the two leave her behind as they escape on a boat. They come across the tanker that Mia arrived on, and they are attacked by Evelyn. This knocks Ethan unconscious, and he has a vision of Jack proclaiming his family's innocence and asking Ethan to kill Evelyn to stop her infections. Mia then wakes up on the ship and begins to search for Ethan. She has visions of Evelyn, whom she doesn't remember, but claims is her daughter. Evelyn makes Mia watch a tape, which details her final moments on the ship to restore her memory. She then finds Ethan and hands him a vial of Evelyn's DNA. She then resists Evelyn's control and allows Ethan to escape the ship. He then finds a nearby secret lab and learns the truth about Evelyn's origins as a B.O.W., created to take control of her victims. Lucas, however, was immunized against Evelyn in exchange for his job of collecting data for her creators, The Connections. Using Evelyn's DNA, Ethan creates a toxin that will kill her, and he makes his way back to the Baker house. There, she tries to take control of him, but he is able to resist and inject her with the toxin. Afterwards, her true current form is revealed as the old woman in the wheelchair, as her aging had been accelerated as a side effect of not being monitored by her creators. She then mutates into a giant creature, knocking Ethan outside. There, he receives a message from an unknown caller who drops a special weapon from a helicopter called the Albert-01. Ethan then uses it to shoot Evelyn and finally destroy her. Afterwards, the Blue Umbrella Corps Alpha Team arrives to rescue Ethan and Mia, and their leader takes off his mask to reveal himself to be none other than Chris Redfield. The couple are then reunited and evacuated in a Blue Umbrella chopper, finally taking them away from the horrors of Dulphy. Chris then heads into the secret lab Ethan found to search for Lucas Baker, and hopefully gain more intel on the connections. Despite several traps left by Lucas, Chris is able to work his way through the lab and eventually find another one operated by the connections. 
Lucas reveals that he had betrayed the organization and killed all of the Connection's researchers there. Chris is able to corner Lucas, shooting him and triggering a mutation within him. Chris is able to kill his mutated form, then destroy a nearby server, stopping the transmission of Evelyn's data to an unknown third party. Afterwards, Chris is called back to the camp to take an urgent call. Sometime later, a pair of Blue Umbrella soldiers find Zoe, partially infected by Evelyn. Her uncle, Joe Baker, arrives and takes down the soldiers, believing them to be responsible for her current condition. One of them tells Joe about a cure in a nearby shack, and he goes and finds it. When he returns, he administers the cure to Zoe, but it doesn't fully work. The Umbrella Soldier explains that she needs more, and Joe can find it at their base. However, before he can reveal its location, the soldier is killed by a molded. Joe takes Zoe to find the base, encountering a powerful, immortal molded he calls the Swamp Man. Joe finds the base, but discovers the cure to have been moved to a nearby boat. On board, Joe encounters the Swamp Man, but is able to find a full dose of the cure. However, before he can administer it to Zoe, she is captured and taken by the Swamp Man to a nearby church. There, Joe faces the Swamp Man, who he discovers to be the final mutation of his own brother, Jack Baker. Jack knocks Joe unconscious, then puts him in a coffin and dumps him into the swamp. Joe survives, washing up on shore near the Baker household. He fights his way through molded and finds a prototype gauntlet created by Umbrella. Joe makes his way inside and finds Zoe, guarded by Jack. The two fight one final time, and Joe uses his gauntlet to finally kill his brother once and for all. Joe then gives Zoe the full cure, and she wakes up. Just then, Blue Umbrella forces arrive, and Chris reveals that he was sent to help. Afterwards, Zoe is fully cured of her infection, and she receives a call from Ethan, who she thanks for keeping his promise to send help. By 2021, Ethan and Mia are relocated by Chris Redfield to a city in Europe, where they settle down with their newborn daughter, Rosemary. One night, after reading Rosemary a bedtime story called Village of Shadows, Ethan puts the baby to bed before returning to Mia. Suddenly, the power goes out and Mia is shot several times by an arriving Chris Redfield and his team, the Hound Wolf Squad. Despite Ethan's pleas, Chris delivers a final shot to Mia before his team captures Rosemary and knocks out Ethan, putting them both in a transport vehicle. Sometime later, Ethan wakes outside in the vehicle, which has crashed. He finds their guard dead and Rose, as well as Mia's body, missing. Ethan heads off to examine his surroundings, finding a nearby village with a large castle. There, Ethan finds the village nearby abandoned but finds a villager named Grigori who gives him a handgun. His house is then attacked by unseen creatures, which kill Grigori and drag Ethan underground. After passing several dead bodies, Ethan is attacked by one of the creatures, a werewolf-like lichen which bites off half of his hand. Ethan fights off the lichens in the village, eventually becoming overwhelmed by them, but they are called away by the toll of the castle's bell. Afterwards, Ethan sees an old woman who informs him that Rose was brought to the village by Mother Miranda. He then meets a few villagers who let him into a nearby home for shelter. However, once inside, one of the survivors turns lichen and attacks. Ethan is able to escape, once again emerging alone. Outside, he finds Mother Miranda, killing another villager. He tries to chase her, but finds the old woman instead. Ethan makes his way to the castle, but is soon confronted by a mysterious man with the ability to control the magnetic field around his body. The man encapsulates Ethan in a metal cage of sorts, then drags him to a meeting with Mother Miranda and her underlings, the four lords of the region. 
These four lords include Carl Heisenberg, the man who captured Ethan, Lady Alcina Dimitrescu, a vampiric winemaker and countess of the castle, Donna Beneviento, a puppeteer who telekinetically speaks through her doll Angie, and finally, Salvatore Moreau, a fishman. Mother Miranda leaves Ethan to Heisenberg, who gives Ethan a head start before sending an army of lichens after him, who Ethan is able to escape. Outside, Ethan finds himself at the entrance to the castle, where he meets the Duke, a large traveling merchant who offers his services to help Ethan in finding his daughter. He then enters the castle, where he is captured by Lady Dimitrescu and her three daughters. Ethan fights and kills all three of these daughters before confronting the Countess herself. He stabs her with the Dagger of Death's Flowers, which causes her to mutate into a giant creature, which he fights and kills. He then retrieves a flask from a nearby pedestal and continues on his search for Rose, heading to an underground cave where he finds the old woman once again, who shows him a symbol on the nearby cave wall, which eerily resembles the Umbrella Corporation's logo. Ethan then finds the Duke, who reveals that the flask he found contains Rosemary's head and informs him that the other three lords must have their own flasks, which Ethan must insert into a nearby altar in order to reform his daughter, since her powers allow her essence to remain. Ethan then proceeds to fight through Beneviento, surviving her horrific hallucinations, as well as Moreau, first meeting with Chris Redfield and the Hound Wolf Squad, where he learns that the infections in the region are somehow related to experiments with the mold that created Evelyn, eventually defeating them both and a large lichen guard to retrieve the other three flasks, which he takes to the altar. After inserting the flasks into the altar, Ethan gains access to Heisenberg's factory, where the man offers to help Ethan save Rose in order to use her potential powers to kill Mother Miranda. Ethan denies his offer and is forced to fight through Heisenberg's mechanical abominations to escape the factory. However, he soon finds Heisenberg once again, who uses the nearby machinery to transform himself into a massive creature. He then punches Ethan back, and he falls down to the bottom of the factory. After he recovers, Ethan finds Chris Redfield, who scolds him for not leaving when Chris told him to. Ethan confronts Chris about him killing Mia, but Chris reveals that the Mia he shot was actually none other than Mother Miranda, who has shape-shifting abilities that allowed her to disguise herself as his wife. Chris finally explains to Ethan that Miranda has been experimenting with the mold her entire life, and Chris plans to destroy the village, which is her life's work. He then reveals that Miranda has the four flasks. He tasks Ethan with taking a tank topside to fight Heisenberg while he stays underground to plant explosives. Above ground, Ethan fights the mutated Heisenberg, but he is soon overpowered. The explosions from the factory distract Heisenberg, allowing Ethan to escape on foot and eventually re-enter the tank to kill Heisenberg once and for all. Ethan then gets a call from Chris, who tells him to wait for him before finding Miranda, but Ethan is interrupted by Rosemary's cries. As he hangs up and turns around, he is met by Mia, who he soon learns is Mother Miranda in disguise once again. Miranda reveals to Ethan that Rose is Evelyn's successor and her true, complete form. Miranda then explains that the Megamycete, the mold's origin colony, catalogs the DNA of all organisms it comes across, allowing her to rebirth Rose as her own daughter. Miranda, who reveals herself to be the old woman who was watching him throughout his travels in the village, then rips out Ethan's heart, 
killing him and promising to catalog his blood in the Megamycete. As Ethan lies dead on the ground, Miranda leaves, expressing her excitement to meet her, quote, true daughter once again. Shortly after, Chris briefs the Hound Wolf squad on the events so far, as they head towards the village to finally kill Miranda. As soon as they arrive, the BSAA arrives as well. Chris and his team then lead a full-on attack on the Lycan army in the village, eventually reaching the Megamycete and attaching a neutron bomb to it. Before detonating it, however, Chris elects to find Miranda to finish her off himself. On his way, he finds Miranda's lab, where he learns the truth to her experiments. Long ago, Miranda's daughter, Eva, died from the Spanish flu. Miranda then discovered the Megamycete and experimented with it to create a parasite called the Kado, which allowed her to gain her own powers as well as the power of her four lords. When none of them proved to be a suitable host for Eva's rebirth, she worked with the connections by providing the mold and Eva's DNA, with which they created Evelyn, who also proved to be an unsuitable host for her daughter. However, her work with the connections led her to learn of Rosemary, who she decided to use as her host. Most surprisingly, Chris learns that one of Miranda's students was none other than Oswald Spencer. Although the pair disagreed on their motives, with Spencer wanting to infect the entire world while Miranda only wanted to resurrect her daughter, Spencer continued to write to her after he left to start his own company, Umbrella Corporation, drawing inspiration from the symbol in the caves. Chris then finds the real Mia and rescues her, informing her of Ethan's death. Mia surprisingly tells Chris that Ethan isn't really gone, as she secretly knows of his own special abilities. Elsewhere, Ethan finds himself in a frozen tundra, where he sees a vision of Evelyn, who tells Ethan that he is dead. While Ethan assumes he was killed by Mother Miranda, Evelyn reveals that Ethan was actually killed three years ago during his initial fight with Jack Baker, and after that, it was the mold that recreated him, explaining his superhuman healing abilities. Ethan then wakes up in the Duke's carriage, who is en route to the ceremony site to take Ethan to Miranda. Ethan thanks the Duke and heads off, fighting his way to Mother Miranda. When he reaches her, he finds that she has successfully reformed the child, but, much to her dismay, it is not her daughter, but Rosemary, who begins to absorb Miranda's power. A nearby Chris then shoots Miranda, allowing Ethan to recover his child. However, Miranda begins to mutate with the mold, taking Rose back and absorbing her as she transforms into a giant creature. Ethan harnesses his determination and fights Miranda in a grueling battle, eventually emerging victorious and killing her. The mold around her then begins to disintegrate, and Ethan finds Rose in the remains. As he grabs his daughter, however, he begins to crumble as well. As the remains of the Megamycete begins to mutate, Chris drags Ethan out of the wreckage. Ethan tells Chris to watch over Rose as he gives her his jacket. As the mold separates them, Ethan takes the detonator for Chris's bomb and stays behind, knowing as soon as the mold is gone, he will be too. Chris heads off, and Ethan pushes the detonator. As Chris returns to Mia in an escape helicopter, she demands to know where her husband is. Just then, the village below explodes, destroying the mold and in turn, Ethan, who Chris reveals sacrificed himself to save them. 
Nearby, one of Chris's men reveals that he recovered one of the BSAA's squad, a B.O.W. dressed up as a soldier. A confused and frustrated Chris then orders his pilot to chart a course to the BSAA's European headquarters to get some answers, as he states that someone's gotta pay. At an unspecified point in the future, an Alaskan research team discovers a whale preserved in ice. Inside of it, creatures come to life that proceed to infect a member of the team. One researcher sends a sample to a Dr. Dan Gibson in the U.S. Gibson studies it to create a vaccine, but his team becomes infected during the trials. A special force team is sent by the Center for Disease Control to retrieve his work. Agent Lisa Martin is able to help Gibson escape, but is shot in the process, developing amnesia. Sometime later, Lisa and Gibson are living in Croatia, where the disease is spread with a group of other survivors. Supplies are running low in the city, and escape looks unlikely with the amount of infected surrounding the border. Lisa and Gibson hear a rumor of a girl on the island of Lenosa who is immune to the virus and may be the key to a cure. The team hatch a plan to distract the zombies with music in order to slip past them to reach an airbase to fly to the island. Gibson is separated from the rest of the group, but Lisa eventually finds the airbase mostly abandoned. They find evidence that Gibson was there, and they ask the soldiers stationed there if they had seen Gibson. They are informed by Dr. Joe Nags that Gibson is believed to be a bioterrorist and is on his way to the U.S. to stand trial for his hand in the virus's spread. He also states that the virus has been sent for further research to the United States Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases, or USAMRIID. However, their discussion is cut off when Gibson calls from the aircraft he was being transferred in, claiming that he hijacked the craft. Colonel Maurice Green sends Nags and the others in the USS Wyoming submarine to head to Lenosa Island to find Gibson. On the way, Lisa learns that the submarine has received orders for Operation Walking Dead, which Nags explains is a plan by NATO to destroy India and China so the zombies cannot affect the heavily populated countries and exponentially increase their numbers. The Wyoming is revealed to be carrying over 100 nuclear missiles to carry out this task. Knowing that Gibson's cure is the only way to prevent this, the group hopes to prevent the widespread execution. Gibson parachutes onto the island, but does not find the girl. Another soldier from the airbase, Scott, finds Gibson, who reveals that he is infected. Gibson then tells Scott that Lisa was initially sent to him by the U.S. government to seduce him and steal the sample of the virus, but her amnesia prevented her from carrying out her plan. Meanwhile, the USS Wyoming is attacked by a group of mutated whales. They surmise that the whale's blood contains antibodies to defeat the virus, and Lisa heads off to find Gibson. She finds him infected and injects him with the whale blood. He awakens, but due to his own experiments mixing with the blood, he also lost all of his memories of Lisa and his work for the government. Lisa is then ejected by helicopter to continue her work with the USA MRIID. In the year 2037, we find a now-teenaged Rosemary Winters meeting with one of Chris's agents, a man named Kay. Kay offers Rose a way to remove the powers given to her by the Megamycete, which have caused her to be alienated since her childhood. He then takes her to a lab where they've been going over Mother Miranda's research on a purifying crystal, and he points her towards a sample of the mold, telling her to enter its consciousness in order to retrieve the crystal. Rose is able to connect with the Megamycete and enter it, 
floating through her memories of being ostracized as a child before she finds herself back in the lab. Rose soon realizes that something is off and exits the lab to find herself below Castle Demetresque. There she is met with a strange sight, a copy of herself. This Rose copy then leads her to other copies in various states of capture and deformity. Rose soon learns what's been capturing these copies as monstrous, mold creatures begin to appear and mutilate them. Rose escapes with the help of some kind of ethereal being, which leads her to safety by writing messages on the walls. Once safe, Rose speaks with her guardian angel, likening it to the angel Michael, a name the being then takes on. Rose then explores the castle and comes across the figure capturing the copies of her, a masked version of the Duke, intent on commanding the mold creatures to bring him the Rose copies so he can watch them suffer. Rose then spots the purifying crystal in a display beside him, and in her excitement, she reveals herself to the masked Duke. Once Rose escapes the Duke's mold monsters, she discovers that she must find three masks in order to unlock the display case to obtain the crystal. With Michael's help, Rose is able to unlock her powers, enabling her to destroy the mold to an extent, and eventually obtain all three masks. Rose then unlocks the display case holding the purifying crystal, but as she grabs it, the masked Duke reveals that it is merely a copy, which then crumbles in Rose's hands. Rose is then enveloped by the mold and taken to a pit, where the masked Duke forces her to fight his giant, brutish creature. Once Rose defeats this creature, Michael leads her to a cliff and instructs her to jump. She does so and is taken to a deeper stratum within the Megamycete. There she enters a house of horrors where she is forced to relive the taunting and teasing she endured as a child. After hiding and escaping from several murderous dolls and mannequins, Michael takes Rose to a recreation of her old home. There, Rose is shown memories of her father, who she doesn't remember, caring for her when she was a baby. She then finds a letter her father wrote to her where he claims that he'll always be with her. This tender moment is interrupted when Rose meets her true tormentor on this stratum, Evelyn. The girl expresses her jealousy over Rose's parents wanting her and not Evelyn before Michael helps subdue the girl temporarily. Evelyn's frustrations then boil over and she turns towards Rose. Michael then appears in the flesh and pushes Rose out of the way, plunging her below to a deeper stratum. There, Rose finds the village the Megamycete was created in, and she follows an apparition of herself to its core. There, she finds the source of the copies of herself, learning through various notes left around that Mother Miranda, who had died but found herself alive within the Megamycete, had been creating these copies still in an effort to create a vessel for her daughter, Eva's rebirth. When the copies turned out to be failures, Miranda used another creation, the Masked Duke, to exterminate them. Miranda then decided that instead of creating the perfect copy of Rose, she'd simply convince the real girl to enter the Megamycete instead. Soon after, Rose finally finds the real purification crystal, and as she touches it, she immediately begins to feel her powers wash away. She is soon interrupted, however, as Miranda appears before her. Miranda not only reveals her plans to Rose, but also explains that she was able to manipulate the Megamycete within the girl to make her believe she was talking to Kay, 
when in reality, it was only an illusion to lure her into the Megamycete's consciousness, where she would relinquish her powers and become weak enough for Miranda to implant her daughter's essence. Michael then appears again to take Rose to safety, and Miranda reveals that he had been Rose's father, Ethan Winters, all along. Ethan then protects Rose from the various mold creatures as they run from an approaching Miranda. Once in a clearing, Ethan distracts Miranda to give Rose a chance to use the purifying crystal to finally rid herself of her powers. Rose instead destroys the crystal, embracing her abilities and using them to fight Miranda one-on-one. After a battle, Ethan endows Rose with his own powers, which she uses to finish Miranda once and for all. The woman then calls out to her daughter Eva as she finally disappears from the Megamycete. Rose and Ethan then finally share a moment together, face to face. The pair share their love for each other, with Ethan telling his daughter how proud he is of her. Rose then awakens back in the lab, finding her father's wedding ring in her hand. Sometime later, Rose visits her father's grave at a cemetery, wishing him a belated happy birthday. Nearby, she is summoned by an agent for an unknown organization, who claims she is needed for an ongoing situation, mockingly calling her Evelyn. She forcefully grabs him and threatens his life, with powers Chris Redfield doesn't even know of, but he apologizes, claiming it was just a joke. Rose then enters his vehicle, and he notes her similarity to her father. The two then drive off, as a figure on the road in the distance approaches them, and the car stops. And with that, we once again conclude our journey through the world of Resident Evil. While we don't quite know how our favorite characters' stories will continue, one thing is for sure. Resident Evil will live on forever. Hey everybody, thanks for watching. If you made it this far, make sure you like this video and comment on what you'd like to see covered next. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Suggestive Games to get in touch with me personally. And more importantly, make sure you click the link on screen and check out the 2-Bit Players. While they're currently on hiatus, they have one of the best backlogs of content you can find on YouTube. So go check it out. Also, support on Patreon or become a channel member if you appreciate the content. And of course, make sure you subscribe for more video game story content. Thanks again. See you next time.